0: All right. <laughs> I feel like I just yelled that. Fuck this up
1: already. You did, yeah, Anyways.
0: The, the lines are all over the place. Okay. Yeah. Not cocaine lines.
1: Oh, no. I did those on the way down. Yeah. While you're driving.
0: Okay. <laughs> Gifting
1: and, sn- and snorting. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Episode four. Oh Whatever the fuck this is uh today we do our first woman it's something that we've been talking about for a long time yeah. but we wanted
0: to make sure that when we we did do a, a profile on a female that uh that it was the right mm-hmm. one for us yeah
1: and i'm and, a little disappointed you didn't say anything today we do our first woman yeah <laughs> I, I think you years said in it. the making like you said it right out <laughs> finally
0: <laughs> you said it right out of the shoot yeah. right and yeah. after so many guys,
1: <laughs> just, gotta, guys. just gotta get guys. right in there did i do that right i threw my head back and, yeah you yeah, did right,
0: I mean people aren't gonna be able to hear this garbled stuff anyway. Oh god
1: no. So I don't know about you, but I always kinda of had a little bit of a crush on her. I always thought she was kinda of something or whatever. The Playboy is awesome, of mm-hmm, course. Or mm-hmm. whatever. So uh actually course... to that for me? Yeah. No. No?
0: I never was. Uh, and as uh, as she got older and as my cousin got older, mm-hmm. she reminds me so much of my cousin who's yeah, like my that's sister. That's why I love her. Yeah, I know. I... You know the rules. <laughs> You just got to marry them. That's all. They're already taken.
1: Doesn't matter. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say like a huge, huge crush, but I've always kind of like you know whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. so we're talking about Drew Blythe Barrymore, who was born February twenty second, nineteen seventy five. So she's not even like she's basically our age, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Well, a year than older than me. Yeah. So three years older than me, but because mm-hmm. you're old and I'm not. But I anyway, am. yeah. But not in my face. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm not really sure what that means. Nobody does. Yeah, okay. That's the beautiful, fair thing, enough.
0: Because it just kind of stops you right your tracks. Yeah, I think my hairline, as we were discussing earlier, may be older than yours. Oh, I. But y- you're never going to
1: tell. Nope. You. Yeah, you're bald. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's I'm balding getting there. It's thin. Yeah, really thin. Mine's on top. like really gray. Yeah, and, uh, getting grayer by the day. It's mm-hmm. really showing up in my beard too. I mm-hmm. noticed. So I shaved this off recently. Went back to the goatee look and looked at it and. <laughs> Uh, my kids made fun of me, and Rosie made fun of me, so I immediately grew the beard back in. Oh, that sounds like a healthy household. <laughs> yeah. So I walked out of the bathroom, and uh, my oldest looked at me and said, what the fuck did you do to your face? I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these, so. are, these are the little nuggets
0: of information that I've been transferring to those kids yeah. uh, via The Shining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we got we got yeah. way off track there. Oh,
1: yeah. So anyway, let's get back to Drew here. So she was born in Culver City, California? Her dad was John Drew Barrymore. He was an actor. He had a pretty interesting life. We're not really going to get into that, but... Uh, oh, we are. Well, you're going to get into that. I'm not <laughs> going to get into that. Other than I know that... Uh, mm. uh, well, you know what? Actually, if you're going to get into it, I'm not going to mm. I'm not going to say that. All right. So the mom is Jade Barrymore, aspiring actress. That's an interesting relationship, which I'm sure you're going to touch on too. So it's very interesting. <laughs> but did you... Had you come across anything I in just, terms of their relationship? I didn't really read too much into it. I knew you mm-hmm. were doing it, but I, mm-hmm. from what I remember of her. I just remember that it was very interesting. Fascinating so, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For her family, a lot of actors in her entire family. I think all of her grandparents or, or great grandparents, sorry, were actors on both sides, her dad's parents and um, his, his aunts and uncles were all actors. Uh, one of her great uncles was a director. Uh, one of her older brothers or half brother or something is that an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really get into their names because I really don't give a fuck about any of them, but yeah, um, that's yeah.
0: unfortunately where I got lost in that rabbit hole, Perfect. so all the stuff that you're touching on right now, the yeah, stuff I spent time—that's really
1: all I have on it because I didn't really want to. No, too that's much. cool. The only other thing that I got, um, I found really interesting, and I—I I sure probably could have got trapped in a rabbit hole. Was the godparents? Uh, so, yes. godmother uh, Sophia Wren super hot, like, I don't know, like, she was, I'm sure she probably still is, I don't know, or is she alive? Well, maybe, I don't know. I think she is, actually, I don't remember yeah. her passing on. That's true. Yeah. Anna Strasberg, did mm-hmm. I say the name right? Yeah. Uh, she was the wife of uh, Lee Strasberg, he was a pretty famous uh, actor, director, yep. and her godfather, mm-hmm. which, little, uh, actually... <laughs> It just popped into my I was watching a show last night, and the guy always pronounces the words wrong, and I was going to say nepotism. You'll see in a second, because the director is uh, – her godfather is director Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. and then you think of nepotism, but the guy last night pronounced it nippletism, and I can't stop oh laughing God. at that every time. And I had to pause the <laughs> show when he said it, and then Rosie was like, you're so dumb. Turn this off. Anyway, so that's uh, that's all I have on her family, really. Um, I um, will throw yeah. in there
0: that I was I was surprised, first of all, to hear the godparents. I didn't really know. Mm-hmm but did you hear how steven spielberg became her godfather no uh, i didn't get into any that so yeah apparently a very very prominent and important relationship that she had in her life and uh keep playing with those, oh yeah so that's to totally fine yeah <laughs> Sorry. as long as you keep your hands on that side of the desk we're okay here <laughs>
1: That's not what you said before you hit record.
0: Uh, I said after recording. <laughs> oh, that's after true. recording. That's true. All right. Okay. Um, she apparently asked her mom if Spielberg could be her godfather. That's how that came to fruition. Oh, really? And he ended up agreeing, so he became her her
1: godfather. Did they know him at that point? Yeah. It was, oh, at,
0: okay. it was after E. T. or during E.T. I think it might have been oh, okay. after. That's when Spoiler the relationship alert. obviously <laughs> was. Oh shit! Yeah. By the way,
1: she no, starred in fine. a prominent movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm mowing your lawn here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so as we uh, just kind of touched on, obviously, she's an actor. She's also a producer, director. Surprisingly, she's been in movies that didn't star Adam Sandler. Um, I'm not going to go through her whole catalog because there is some in there that you've probably never heard of. But if I do gloss over a movie that is your favorite Drew Barrymore and you are upset about that? Then, well, I don't really give a fuck, but anyway, I'm sitting right here. No, not you. Oh, you're talking to the <laughs> audience. Whoever is listening to this, <laughs> you she, hear that, John? Yeah, she does have 77 acting credits to her name. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so, and obviously, she started at a very young age. I mean, she's only, what did you say? She'd, so she'd be what, 47? Yeah, 46, something like that. Yeah, I'm gonna be 40 something this year. Yeah, well, we're both 40 something this year. I just turned 40 something. Um, Nice. Happy birthday, man. Thanks, bud. So in 1978, it's her, she's uncredited, but I guess it's her first. It's called Suddenly Love. It was a TV movie. Uh, She played um, Bobby Graham. That's all I have on that. 1980, uh, in the TV movie Bogey, which is about Humphrey Bogart, she plays Mm. Leslie Bogart, which was Humphrey's daughter. Now, this next one, actually, I thought sounded interesting, but uh, I don't know if I could sit through it. And it's also in 1980. It's her first actual movie role, which is called Altered States. Mm-hmm. And uh, she plays Margaret Jessup. And this stars uh, William Don't Call Me John Hurt. Um, <laughs> so that goes back to a previous episode. Anyway, the tagline for this one is, uh, when he heard his cry for help, it wasn't human. So I have a little, I don't know if you saw the, anything about this movie so I, I a little blurb in here because i mean it does sound like something we'd be interested in maybe you more than me but still i don't know if i could sit through it in the basement of a university uh medical school dr jessup floats naked in the to- in total darkness the most terrifying experiment in the history of science is out of control and the subject is himself so this movie is about a psycho Physiologist who experiments with drugs and a sensory deprivation tank and has visions he believes are genetic memories. I'm in. Yeah, I'm sold on that one. Yeah, it sounds. I, the
0: name sounds familiar, and I'm not sure if I watched
1: it way back yeah. then,
0: but it doesn't matter. I wouldn't no. remember a thing about it. No. Yeah,
1: he he looks pretty young in that. There. Yeah, I think he's the obviously the star there. Uh, was it William or John? One of the, one of the Hurt, one of the Hurt boys. Yeah. I don't even think they're related. But anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> never even met in person, I hear. No, probably not. It would be crazy if they started in the same movie. Anyway, oh okay. So after that, she does her first uh, blockbuster, which Chris just spoiled a few minutes ago. Um, I actually just watched this movie for the very first time with you, yep. not that long ago. That's- that was, I think it was the last time I was at the uh, Oshawa location before you moved. Oh, yeah. I think we watched it. Because we had kind of like a sci-fi weekend there. Mm-hmm. We watched a lot. Some garbage. Yeah, I think actually we were recording the um, River Phoenix episode, I think. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yep.
0: So. That was the same weekend that we watched in Close Encounters. <sighs>
1: <laughs> Anyways, yeah. back to Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Just wanted yeah, to you get that feel, You want to hear my thoughts on that movie. Wait for uh, uh, Telequadrons. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so Plug. Yeah. <laughs> so that's 1982, directed by our godfather. Uh, Not the godfather, but her godfather, uh, E.T., the extraterrestrial. She plays Gertie. And the tagline for this one is, he is afraid, he is totally alone, he is three million light years from home. I don't really think we need to go into this movie. I mean, I literally just saw it for the first time not that long ago, but I still know what the fuck the movie was about. Mm -hmm. There was a couple of things, a couple of tidbits
0: of information that I wanted to kind of throw in here, because I knew that it might come up. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Still considered, I think it's the fourth grossing movie of all time or something like that. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. it's it's notorious. Let's yeah. let's just call it that. Mm-hmm. Apparently she had actually tried out for Poltergeist, who mm. he was helping uh cast okay. uh with the casting director and whatnot. Yep. And he didn't like her for poltergeist, but he did like her for E.T., which then started filming a few months after that. So uh. he saved her for that role, kind of put her in the back pocket. Funny thing is, is that apparently when she walked in to read for E.T., she didn't even read for it. She spent the entire time telling Spielberg about her band, the Purple People Eaters, which was a punk band that she was forming. And so I was watching the Drew Barrymore show. Drew Barrymore's like, the band was up here in my mind. It didn't exist. But she just went off in this whole thing about her band and whatnot. So in the movie, Spielberg, as a tribute to her... Put in the song Purple People Eater oh, based nice. on that whole thing. I thought that that was adorable. That's so cute. I had to throw that yeah, in. Yeah. So there. she
1: would have been what, seven? She was, yeah, six, six or six seven, seven. Yeah. At the time? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she does stand out. She definitely stood out. She was definitely mm-hmm. cute. She was she, whatever, but she was. Well, like they called her one
0: old. of the cutest movies of all time because yeah. really, when you think about it, you've got Gertie, yeah. you've got. E.T. himself, which mm-hmm. is his own level of cuteness, mm-hmm. and Elliot is an adorable little kid too. Yeah. So you've got like the he levels. done fucked up recently, but yeah, oh, he did? did he really? Yeah, he oh, did I some didn't hear about that. Oh I don't shit! Don't worry about oh, him. Oh boy, I'm not I don't concerned. think we'll ever do an episode on him. What's his name? I don't know. Elliot. <laughs> <That's his name>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was in that fucking. Shit! That Rosie made me watch the uh, Haunted House on Hill House or oh, whatever that was yeah yeah, 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 Which I thought was funny because the one kid's playing with a, an ET lunchbox in yes. on one scene. Anyway, whatever. Oh well. So okay. we'll move on from there. Nineteen eighty four. This is where I know her from. The first uh, first time I remember her, and this is a, a Stephen King story. Uh, she plays Charlie McGee with her on screen father, uh David Keith, not to be confused with Keith David, no. who voices the president on Rick and Morty and is uh in Roddy Ruddy Piper's Buddy in uh They Live. Which, oh nice. Yeah, that's uh yeah, that's Keith David. Oh, so David that. Keith is in this one. And also uh, Heather Locklear. And this is Firestarter. The tagline for that was, uh, will she have the power mm. to survive? Mm. Uh, <laughs> 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 so I haven't seen this movie in years. I wouldn't mind watching it again at some point. Yeah. But, uh, Kat hasn't seen it, actually. Oh, no? No, I asked but, her but uh, My dad was a huge Stephen King fan, so I do. Re- that's where I remember her from. The, yeah. Like, one of the first times I saw her. Well, we're going to get into another movie she did here in a minute, and that might be I don't know what order, but these are where I remember from. So anyway, <clears throat> in 1984, eh, also in 1984, sorry, in a bit, of, a bit of foreshadowing. She is Casey Brodsky, and she stars with Shelley Long and Ryan O'Neill in Irreconcilable Differences. Uh, Sharon Stone's also in this. Mm-hmm. The tagline is "It took a divorce to bring them all together." Mm. I don't know if you have anything to add at this point on this one or if you want to wait till well, later. Or... We're going to get into some
0: divorces <laughs> later on but
1: yeah. uh, uh, spoiler alert, it didn't bring them together. <laughs> no, no, no it didn't. So... Yeah, this one, it, it yeah, it was a nice little Hollywood ending. She um, was up for an award for that if I'm not mistaken. She was nominated. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. And mm. I remember this is, uh, this one was played in my house a lot. My sister loved this movie. Mm. She... I don't know if she remembers, but yeah, she watched it quite Mm -hmm. a bit. And then here in 1985, this is another one that I remember her from. It was another Stephen King adaptation. And this one actually gave me nightmares, I remember. She plays our girl, Amanda, in Cat's Eye, also starring... Ooh, a piece of candy, James Wood. James was in that one. It's uh, three tails all woven together. Mm-hmm. Um, the tagline for that is, Through the eye of a cat, a twisted tale of macabre. Sub- Did I say that right? Suspense. Macabre? Yeah, is you macabre? can either say macabre or macabre. A macabre. Yeah. <laughs> macabre. Or you just don't want to sound like a complete moron. You yeah. can just say macabre. Yeah, but it's the little fucking ghoulie thing in it that... Uh, yes. That's what freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember mm-hmm. that movie when I was younger watching that, it and I was terrified of it. Yes, that and then the uh, on the ledge scene with the pigeons when he's walking around the building oh. i always because he was up so high that one always kind of freaked me out that well probably... just the
0: cat sitting on people's chest and sucking the souls out of them or the yeah. life force like that's yeah. what freaked me out yes. i haven't watched that in a long time yeah. but we
1: see we, it's funny because we talked about oh uh, we usually watch the a bunch of the movies with starring the actor and we were like ah we're good now i'm reading it like fuck we should have watched that. i know <laughs> i know we could have done a so... marathon
0: on her but yeah. her career goes in so many different directions that yeah it would be difficult to do i think for sure
1: so so for the next few years after Cats eye there's it's basically just uh, some TV movies and a few series and I'm not going to really list them all but I will I will uh mention one here mm-hmm. 1986 she plays Lisa Piper alongside Chuck Spadina himself <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know who Chuck Spadina is go back and listen to episode 1 That's right that is uh, Keanu the and that's sweet in, um, and incomparable Yeah in uh Babe's in Toyland and we did talk this oh. talk about this one in uh on the Keanu episode because this uh, was played a lot in my house too. We watched it every year. It seemed like it was a Christmas movie, but I don't really know if it was. I don't, Hmm. I don't remember, but the tagline for that is uh, you must really believe in toys. So, and who doesn't? Yeah, really. Toys are awesome. Yeah. They're pretty cool. I mean, I'm starting to collect
0: some now again. Yeah. I I have a few, one or two. Yeah, a yeah, couple things. Yeah, we got some things. I got
1: rid of a lot of toys, but I'm probably going to come back into the house. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, from, from about 85 to 91, she does mostly like uh, TV and a couple movies, but nothing of real significance. Um, 89, she's in See You in the Morning and uh, Far From Home. Uh, that's not the one with the talking animals that's oh yeah yeah that's something different. Uh, in 1991 she's in something called motorama oh boy they all sounded horrible yeah. so i didn't really those were you know. lean years that uh there's probably a reason there's mind. probably a reason i'm thinking yeah. so i uh, as i was looking at these i was like yeah but i do i think i've seen the far from home one actually mm-hmm. because the guy that she's in that with and i can't remember his name uh tall gangly guy i think he's in honey i shrunk the kids he's the neighbor's dad okay uh, he was in that. Anyway, I just remember her being, like, half naked throughout the movie, like in a bikini or or, or something. I mean, she was a perfect age for me because mm-hmm. I was 11 at the time. She was 14, but still Hollywood mm-hmm. putting yeah. underage yeah. actresses in these, you know. And I think that'll probably get brought up again later. But anyway, as to what the fuck was going on and why she did some of the shit. But um, so uh, she goes on to star in some I don't know not great movies Mm -hmm. I guess (laughs) over the next period of time here You've seen some of them. I've seen some of them or whatever. And I'm going to, I know you've seen this one because we've talked about this one. It's in 1992. She plays Ivy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. of course, is Poison Ivy and that creepy ass Tom Skerritt. And, uh... Which, listen, I'm going to say this. <laughs> because,
0: again, I'm not talking as adult person yeah. watching a kid For now. sure. For sure. I'm talking about the person who's yeah. a year older than her. And at the time, um, Tom Skerritt was my hero. Like, I was just like, listen. Yes. I mean, so, things are what they are. Yeah. And yeah, obviously it's problematic. We understand that yeah. now, and we know that now as being, yeah. you know, a fully grown adult. So I'm not yeah. going to say fully matured because that's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, but no. Yeah. Clearly uh, an issue and capitalizing on the bad girl image. Uh, the For sure. Writers, For sure. For sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she also in that movie is Sarah Gilbert from Roseanne, mm-hmm. who I was a big Roseanne fan. So the mm-hmm. TV show, not the actual person, but. Yeah. No. The tagline for this is, What a- What Ivy Wants, Ivy Gets. So She uh, did. She, she, yep. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. After Poison Ivy in this little period of 92 to 94, uh, she's not in a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's like she's not living up to this. I guess when, when she was the kid, everybody thought she was going to be you know the next big thing. And I don't know. We'll see if it uh, she turns out to have the uh, the child star tragedy or, or what. Or maybe she perseveres. I don't know. Yeah. I have no Nobody idea knows. how this story goes. Nobody <laughs> knows. That's the beautiful thing about this kind <laughs> yeah. of show is people are watching
0: yeah. or they're listening to it on Pens and yeah. needles, being like, oh my God, I just want to know if she survives. Yeah.
1: Who knows? When I remember her, I don't want to call it a comeback. Mm-hmm. I've been here for years. Rock them up here. No. Sorry. LL. I just ruined that. <laughs> I don't think he's offended.
0: I mean, maybe a little irritated. He
1: probably is like, don't ever do that again, you fuck. Anyway, so what I remember her being talked about in the mainstream again, other than what you're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, was 1993, the Amy Fisher story. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was a TV movie. I believe uh, Amy Fisher was the Long Island Lolita. Did mm-hmm. I say Lolita, right? You did. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I'm nailing these words oh left God. and right. Dance moves. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> dance moves. Oh, yeah, I'll, show, I'll do that again later.
0: Yeah. i will throw a clip on YouTube.
1: Yeah, for sure. This is a true story. Uh, based on a young woman who shoots her older lover's wife in the face. Her lover was uh, Joey Buttafuku. Joey Buttafuku. Yeah, there's a fucking name, eh? Yeah. This was a TV movie. That guy was a fucking goof. He got he got famous for a while after this. The tagline for this movie is, uh, the one you can't miss. Now, yeah, oh I'm not sure if that's a gunshot joke wow. or... <laughs> Wow. I feel like it's probably wildly inappropriate. But also Americans I this made me think to Americans make the dumbest fucking people famous. I'm not saying mm. that Canadians are mm-hmm. innocent in that because we probably do the same thing, but it just seems like some of the dumbest fucking people that shouldn't be famous become famous. Like the Cash Me Outside girl. I've, yeah, like they should the girl who uh, super glued her head or whatever and pulled her hair off or whatever the fuck she oh. did. Like, these idiots. Now she's got, like, a uh, a shampoo deal or something and making millions of dollars. Like, oh it's fucking stupid, but...
0: I think that they definitely are. I think that, you know... But I think that's a time of the... Uh, the, the sign of the society not yeah. necessarily just linked to the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. Although, you know, I, I think they do uh, a considerable job mm-hmm. at putting those people at the forefront.
1: Yeah. Not good. So, so- but
0: Buttafuoco was the guy... Oh, no, that was John, uh, that, was, uh, oh, that was Bobbitt. Oh, that was John Wayne Sorry, Bobbitt I was, was Wiener's yeah, sliced Wiener off. Wiener's schnitzel. Yeah. Because yeah, that's a shot you can't miss either. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, I had to. I that know. was a good one. You're welcome.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember Badafuka, like, years later when he was trying to get relevant again, he did that stupid celebrity boxing match I was going to say, yes. yeah, 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 he did that. Oh, I can't remember who he fought, but he went hard. He was really trying to beat that Jesus, guy up. Eh? Actually, maybe he fought John Wayne Bobbitt. I can't remember. Mm. It was too. it was... I don't really, I don't well, know. Well, they were definitely linked together
0: as being yeah. two like waste of life uh, men who tried to capitalize on like, it was.
1: it's like early social media stuff yeah. almost, right? Yeah. Try to
0: capitalize on that nonsense and make a name for themselves.
1: Yeah. So in 93, and I'd have to watch this again. She's in Wayne's world's, Wayne's World Two, uh, she plays. and I don't know if I can say this right, but Bergen Kurgan, Bergen Kurgan, or something like that. Anyway, I don't remember her in this. I do, but like you know, Wayne. And she
0: was fucking... dressed up as the uh, like as as
1: the uh, was it a beer wench like a German? In- I I vaguely remember mm. that, but I don't know if that's. I think she does that in a later movie as well, so I don't know if. Oh yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Cause yeah, I didn't I didn't like Wayne's World 2 as much as I liked the first one. So I don't think I watched it very mm-hmm. much. Um, but anyway, that starred Mike Myers and Dana Carvey as Wayne and Garth. And uh, how fucking hot was Tia Carrera back then? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, I she did play boy as well. Oh, did she? Really? I, had, I, I might have uh, while researching uh, both googled both Drew's pictures and Tia's pictures when I remember just for it. research purposes. 100% research. That's great. Purposes. Was anybody in the house? Yeah. Okay, well, I just, you know, hey, that's my. They are saved on my hard drive. Anyway, the uh, tagline for that is you'll laugh again, you'll cry again, you'll hurl again. Oh, my God. I don't know. I mean, Wayne's World obviously has kind of come back because they're doing the Skip the Dishes commercials here together. But Mike Myers and Dana Carvey had a feud for so many years after after all that shit because uh, Carvey believes Mike Myers stole the Dr. Evil character off of his impression of Lorne Michaels. Oh, shit. So they hadn't didn't spoke that. for years, but I guess they're maybe on good terms again. I don't know. Getting older does that. Well, yeah. So I guess we kind of just mentioned a minute ago there about her comeback, but in 94, I think this is where uh, she really starts to kind of become mainstream again. Um, it's called Bad Girls. Mm. She plays yeah. Lily Laranette, and it co-stars some pretty big names at the time. It was Mary Stuart Masterson, Madeline Stowe, Andy McDowell. It's all about uh, four Prostitutes running amok in the Old West, and I do remember this one. But the tagline was, "It was a dangerous time to be a woman, and a good time to have friends." So th- I definitely think this is going to kind of start a trend of the type of movie she's going to be in coming up here. Yeah, I was listening um, to uh, I was listening to an interview that she was doing, and in that
0: they were talking about that movie, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how amazing it was to be a woman and being in an action role and how that would actually inform her and how she wanted to eventually take you know companies and stuff like that in the future and right the movies
1: that she wanted to focus on producing and stuff in 1995 she has three movies that come out that uh, although they don't get great critic scores i believe they did okay i think yeah so 95 uh boys on the side she plays holly and it co-stars Whoopi Goldberg, Mary Louise Parker, and uh, oh my, Mary Louise Parker, Mary Louise Parker. Oh Mate. yeah, yeah, Mate. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, come oh, on, girl, owl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I didn't see it. The I never Everwise. <laughs> I've never seen that one either. No, I, there's a lot of these movies that uh, she's in that I don't think I've seen, and I don't know. Anyway, also in '95, Mad Love. She plays Casey Roberts alongside Chris O'Donnell, who she'll uh, star with again later. She plays a mentally unstable teen in this movie. Um, I th- think, I think I may have seen this one. I've tagline for this one is uh, "Love is the ultimate ride." Oh yeah, who can who can disagree with that? Yeah. So those last two, they're definitely uh, chick flick mm-hmm. rom coms. Yeah, yeah, rom coms. Um, I. I think the only reason I probably would have watched them was I was probably trying to get laid or something. Oh, yeah, for Um, sure. So, Which you're still trying to do. Yeah, 100%. That's why we're doing our first woman. Yeah. yeah, So, (laughs) Hopefully that will translate into something for you. Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Uh, Also in uh, 95, Batman Forever. Yep. This is the third film in the series that started with Tim Burton's Batman film, uh, which starred Michael Keaton, but... uh, whatever it had gone so far off the fucking rails anyway really however cartoon-y at that point yeah. yeah uh this one is val kilmer uh jim carrey as a riddler tommy lee jones as 2 Face, uh and nicole kidman in this one mm-hmm. um drew that's plays idea. sugar of the combo sugar and spice i i remember seeing her in this but i don't think she has any dialogue yeah when i, I mean, read she that she was in it
0: i i honestly couldn't place her
1: i remember i i remember when i watched it i was like it hey, looks like drew barrymore mm-hmm. i'm like that's weird Because I thought she was too big of an actor at that time to be just playing kind of a girl in the background dancing. Because I'm pretty sure it's in, like if it's in Riddler's hideout or Two Faces hideout or something. Um, But uh, anyway, the tagline for this one uh, is half a face and some riddles ain't nothing for the night. Okay. Obviously, the night, the dark night, not like nighttime. No, no.
0: <laughs> Although, when you think about the nighttime versus the daytime, I mean, the nighttime is not
1: going to stand much of a chance. Spit water all over my computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes. So, also in 1995, there's a very infamous event that takes place in her life. It's on April 12th, 1995, during an appearance on the Late Show with David Letterman. Drew jumped up on his desk and did a sexy dance and then flashed her boobs at him. That sure did. I watched that clip too because I was like, I remember when it happened. Yeah. And everybody was talking about it. So I went and I found the clip and Dave didn't seem to mind. No, no. He did not. (laughs) No, I think he was really shocked,
0: of course. Yes. But
1: uh, yeah, he wasn't complaining. Yeah. So, and I think this is uh, coming to the end of her. I mean, I don't know you're going to tell me more, but we're getting close to the end of her crazy crazy days here I mm-hmm. think. but uh in uh 96 she's in everyone says i love you uh, she plays skylar and it's a woody allen rom-com goldie hawn julia roberts edward norton and woody allen
0: a little controversial because i mean anytime you get woody allen involved with anything and and at this point like you said she is still in her uh outwardly seeming bad girl phase mm-hmm Uh, so yeah there was there was still some problematic things that were tied to that
1: yeah and I don't know I don't know the time frame for him but there's definitely some shit going on with Woody (laughs) Allen which I'm still
0: unclear about I don't know that I want to get clear I don't think I want to know anything
1: about it either um then also in '96, she has a very brief role in an iconic slasher flick. That uh, I guess it, would you say it mocked slasher flick? Well, flicks, what it was
0: what, what it was doing is it was turning the genre around and flushing out the um, the structures of the very
1: industry that Wes Craven had had okay. formed. So, so yeah, she plays Casey in this movie, and she is the very first actor to yeah. be asked the question what's your favorite scary movie yeah i love these movies i do and there's a new one coming and i'm yeah. super pumped for it um there's courtney cox david arquette skeet Ulrich, and my all-time favorite canadian girl ever nev campbell nice. i still love you please be listening and answer my emails um <laughs> <laughs> i mean i watched that movie that she was in with the rock and she still looks fucking good yeah she's amazing. in my mind anyway yeah um this of course is west Craven's scream mm-hmm. uh, the tagline is someone's playing a deadly game someone who has seen way too many scary movies, mm-hmm. so uh, my kids watching the TV show now. Um, they've watched all the movies. They're pumped that there's a new one coming too, and I'm kind of, kind of excited for it. I, did you watch the trailer? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I sent it to you. Did I send it to you? Yeah, you yeah. did.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I. But uh, that opening scene for me is one of the best opening mm-hmm. scenes. In well, it, that's the thing in horror movies. And she's a pretty big name, and she yeah. didn't last long in the movie. No. So, but, but it was yeah. so impactful. And, you know, whatever the case is, you know, directing, writing, her mm-hmm. acting, all of that kind of stuff came together and just created such a powerful, powerful opening. Mm-hmm. And the thing I was literally just talking about this last weekend, mm-hmm. the thing I love most about that is that she wasn't a helpless female, which was obviously, no. you know, the certain the certain things that they were trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when she bolts out the front door, I mean, she's looking to get away from this guy. Yeah. Like, and so she's very convincing. <coughs> it, but yeah, that opening
1: scene fucking amazing. Yeah. Good. Yes, I yeah, um, I definitely loved all those movies. Um 97, she's in a couple movies, Best Men and Wishful Thinking. Mm-hmm. I no idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 1998, I think to for me anyway, I think this is where her image kind of changes and it also starts a, a a friendship and a partnership, I guess you could say. Uh she plays Julia Sullivan in The Wedding Singer mm-hmm. and she stars alongside Adam Sandler. I really like this movie and I always have, yeah. I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure movie or what, but I've always, I think, uh, the song in the middle, uh, that he sings is fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite scenes is when John Lovitz is trying out to be the new band, a uh, wedding singer band. Fuck just him moving and that he pulls off that creepy, dirty old fucking sexy man, oh, yeah. like whatever. Yeah,
0: there's a, there's so much about this movie that we could probably film an episode just on it. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's a guilty pleasure. I think no. it's actually a great comedy. Yeah, um, you can categorize it as a rom com, of course, mm-hmm. but it's just a really well done. I don't care if they're rom coms. I don't yeah. care if they're chick flicks or westerns or whatever the genre yeah. is. I just want it to be well done. And Wedding Singer is fucking awesome. Yeah.
1: So obviously, her and um, her and Adam have a wonderful and uh, relationship. Uh, I was gonna do a lot on that but i was like you know what whatever from her words she said she had to beg borrow and steal to meet adam sandler Mm. and uh i didn't really uh didn't really find any elaboration on that statement but it turns out to be probably her one of her strongest relationships in her life is with adam sandler and his his family his wife as well so i mean I, i they were asked a lot Oh, are you guys sleeping together? Are you guys dating? And what has never been like that. So anyway. Julia Gulia was a great character. <laughs> I love it when he says that. So oh, her it's... name's gonna be Julia Guglia. <laughs>
0: I was interested to know because it was it was really interesting and, and I was focused more on the family, so I didn't really come across anything by happenstance. Yeah. But there isn't a lot about her and Adam Sandler no. out there in yeah, just it's... in terms of their friendship.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I've, I read, uh, there was a little interview that I read where they were asking him all those questions and I was like, yeah, fuck, just, why can't two people just be friends? Yeah. Anyway, he was asked, I think in an interview about her where he got really emotional and was like crying and stuff. So I think there's a lot to that friendship and great. It's, yeah, we'll talk maybe a little bit about that later, but maybe private, I guess. I don't know. I bet nothing on that. Yeah. So, So, uh, the tagline for the wedding singer is he's going to party like it's 1985. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, it's set in 85. It's fucking awesome. Also, in 1998, she plays Danielle in Ever After, A Cinderella Story. I didn't fucking watch that. I've watched that. Did you? Yeah, I watched it back in the day. It's fine. Yeah. She also plays Sally Jackson in Home Fries. Mm -hmm. Um, These are both rom-coms. I think I saw saw Home Fries. Um, That's the one where she is pregnant, I think, and it's by... She's pregnant, I think, by a, a guy who either passes away or he's an older guy, and then she falls in love with the older guy's stepson or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah, mm. definitely a rom com. But she works at the uh, um, Walmart. No, she works at uh, I think like it's a fast food place. Or oh, okay. That's the Home Fries thing. She's, I guess that she's makes Home sense. Fries or whatever. Yeah, the Fry Shack. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do remember though. Like both these movies were everywhere. Everybody's talking about these fucking movies. Yeah. So, uh, I think whatever, uh, and. <laughs> this next one actually uh 99 she's in never been kissed mm-hmm. and i she plays josie geller a reporter who gets sent back to high school to research a story uh, it's like she was a loser the first time she went through high school and then she goes back and she basically gets to live the high school experience over again that she wished she had it's another rom-com but it is actually kind of funny i've, I've seen it the tagline is uh, she's never been hip never been cool never been in until now it's, not, it's I mean whatever they are what they are, but I think this is definitely like her image has now changed to she seems more innocent, she doesn't seem like that crazy wild party girl that everybody thought she was in the you know late eighties early nineties when I was reading
0: some articles uh there in one of the articles, they were talking about that movie, mm-hmm. and apparently that movie has become such a Jumping off point for young females. Mm-hmm. And the, this interviewer was saying how much, you know, it's influenced her, the movie has influenced her, and how it's actually influencing her daughters now and stuff that they watch it constantly. Oh, cool. And I don't know if this was one of her. First movies that she produced or anything like that. I yeah I didn't get that. Okay,
1: Um, we get into her directing later, but yeah. Yeah, But but
0: she was. uh, I'm pretty sure that she had something to do with the writing or producing of that movie. Mm -hmm. And apparently, it has become like a a really female
1: positive movie. I watched it back in the day. I thought it was funny. Yeah, Um, it was. There's definitely funny scenes, and it It definitely has like its rom commy stuff or whatever. I mean, say what you will about rom coms. I mean, yeah, they're chick flicks or whatever but you definitely get some that have you know they've got definitely a little bit of everything for everybody and whatever and I mean yeah I don't mind some of them some of them I'm definitely could do without yeah Uh, (laughs) but Yeah. yeah I can't do a lot of the
0: Epitaph stuff, but that's just my preference. It's yeah. just not my thing. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think that that movie was uh, pretty influential, which I didn't realize at all, mm-hmm. uh, which was cool. But I agree with you. Like, her image is changing at this point in yes. time. her Her public image. And yeah. and that's where I'm starting to take notice as well, actually. One of mm-hmm. the next ones that you're going to mention is where I really stand up and
1: take notice. Okay. So, well, maybe. I don't know. I got, in 99, she also did the voice of Olive in All of the Other Reindeer. Oh, cool. I didn't know that she did that voice. Yeah. I watched that I watched that back in the day for yep, sure. Yep. So, uh, yeah, obviously that's off the lyric uh, in Re- uh, Rudolph there. Mm-hmm. All of the other reindeer and everybody was like, oh, anyway. Um. Same-made <laughs> so fucking movie out of it. All right, here you go. In year 2000, she's in one that I know we just recently watched. <laughs> she is a voice, again, of Akima opposite Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, and Jan- Janine Garofalo. That's Titan A.E. <laughs> Titan A.E., man. One of the you best sci-fi watched, movies of all time. We watched it on my last trip here. Uh, the tagline is, Saving the galaxy one planet at a time.
0: Yeah, you know what my tag Go weekend... Ahead.
1: You know what my tag weekend for that weekend was?
0: <laughs> missed opportunities. Because everything we fucking threw on was just like a missed opportunity. Like, this thing, it just wasn't... Like, it wasn't great. So, I remembered it being good. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah. there's a lot of things that i would say about this movie good's not one of them i think but hey listen you do movies and you do yeah. voices and stuff i don't think that she took away from it no uh but yeah i don't know what the hell was going and on with Until we actually turned
1: it on that i totally forgot she was the voice in that yeah <laughs> we were learning a lot of things about that movie that yeah. night yeah. or day yeah. it was
0: during the day Holy yeah. shit. that was yeah. probably part of the problem it was yeah, really probably. daylight out yeah, there probably
1: <laughs> okay so maybe this is the one you're talking about 2001 it's called classic which we're actually, I'm thinking we're going to watch this weekend, uh, Donnie Darko. Oh. She plays Karen Pomeroy alongside the and Hall family, Jake and Maggie, and, of course, Patrick Swayze's in this oh, movie. Yes. And the tagline is, uh, life is one long, insane trip. Some people just have better directions. So, we haven't watched it. I, it was on our list that we might watch this weekend because I, I've, I haven't seen it. I know you've seen it. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you have any thoughts... Yeah, you want so to I watched that
0: uh, way back in the day. Couldn't remember anything about it. And then we watched it recently, like within the last year. And it was kind of funny because when you mentioned it, I was like, What? she's in that she's associated with that mm-hmm. she actually produces that fucking movie mm-hmm. she's an executive producer on that flick mm-hmm. so th- this is at a time where she's in full swing of of uh, movies and she's actually i'm I'm pretty sure again going back to never been kissed she's actually starting to get these big names and donnie darko was one of them i had no idea mm-hmm. we'll watch it man Cool. and then you can let me know what you think
1: for sure well maybe <laughs> <laughs> see what i did there yeah <laughs> maybe we won't watch it <laughs> We'll never know. Well, I mean, we could watch, a, we could do a telequadrance on it. Um, yeah, definitely. That year, she also appears in her her ex husband's movie, Freddie Got Fingered. And mm. no. 2001. Not great. <laughs> also in 2001. Uh, she stars in Riding in Cars with Boys. And uh, much like E.T., this is based on a true story. Dude. She. <laughs> <laughs> she seems to do a lot of true stories. <laughs> she. <laughs> I never knew that about writing a *Car with boys, but I definitely knew that about E.T. Yeah, yeah. Uh, She plays Beverly D'Onofrio mm. uh, alongside alongside Steve Zahn, uh, Brittany Murphy, R.I.P., and, of course, the piece of candy James Woods is in this one again. I saw this movie, and I was actually surprised I enjoyed it, uh, but it's been a long time, mm. but I do remember liking it. Um, the tagline is, The story of a girl who did everything wrong but got everything right. Mm. Uh, from what I remember about it is that she's, She has a a son at a young age and is just trying to live her life while also, I think she's like 15 or 16 when she had the kid or whatever. So 2002, she's, uh, we haven't hit the one that you were talking about? Nope. Okay. 2002, she was, (laughs) Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. She plays Penny. This has a big cast. Uh, George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Sam Rockwell, Maggie Gyllenhaal, an appearance by Dick Clark himself. Tagline, I it back in the day. Yeah, tagline for this one is some things are better left top secret so I have no fucking clue. So,
0: yeah, I've got nothing to add to it, but I did watch it. The the cover is kind of uh resonating in my mind, but I don't know if it's the same one. It almost feels like she's on the cover and there's like I don't bars think she's on, a big character. She's not a big character, I, I, so I the, might be thinking of a like different George one.
1: Like Julia Roberts, I I think, but she, I don't know. I guess know. they were probably bigger. But maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, maybe. I don't know if she's fucking be in it. Uh oh shit. Did I miss... I fucking glossed over one. I am so sorry. We're going to have to go back. I went right to Donnie Darko after Titan Eight. I think you got super excited. I did. So back in 2000, because I was like, oh, fuck, here's the sequel. If it's missed the first one. Anyway, maybe this is the one you're talking about? Charlie's Angels? You no. <laughs> <laughs> might not I, hit it, but that's okay. Okay, I missed... Uh, I have... No, it's got to be on here because I have all of her movies, yeah, probably. I think. But uh, if, even if I didn't. Anyway, Charlie's Angels back in 2000. Uh, she's in, obviously, Charlie's Angels with. Um, she plays Dylan alongside Lucy Lou and Cameron Diaz. Um, they make up the Angels. Sam, Sam Rockwell's in this. Fucking Tim Curry. Uh, Crispin Glover. Yeah. Fucking weird ass dude. I love that guy. Bill fucking Murray. Oh, yeah. Uh, also stars in this movie. I actually found out why he wasn't in the sequel. This uh, Is this her biggest movie? Is that the question that you're asking me? Yeah. I mean,
0: I would say, yeah, because it did kind of catapult her into mm-hmm. doing something different. It's, I know that she spoke about this and she had talked about how uh, it was such a powerful movie to do. It was very, it was very woman forward mm-hmm. and it did blow the roofs off of everything for her. So I would say that it, I mean, you could make a strong argument for
1: it mm-hmm. and I would have to agree with it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I kind of went out of order here, but that was 2000. So I'll, uh, I'll go to 2003 when sure. she does the sequel. Full throttle. Full throttle. And uh, it's the tagline was dumb because it's just this summer the angels are back. Yeah. So I, I did watch the first one. I don't really remember this uh, second one very much. Uh, I don't think it was probably that good. But the, Bill Murray apparently had, uh, whoever directed the first one, he had a dispute with that person. And uh, didn't want to do the sequel. Now there's also unconfirmed reports, which he denies, that he did not get along with Lucy lou and had no, it, no Desire. interest in being in another movie with her. Interesting. So I don't know if that's accurate or not. So if if BFM and uh, Lucy lou get mad at me, I don't really give a fuck. I don't well, know. Well, if, so if, uh,
0: <laughs> if Bill Murray could contact us. Oh, that'd be uh, and clarify for us. That yeah, would be. Yeah, phenomenal. give me a dingle. Yeah, uh, <laughs> leave Stop your dingle that. out of this.
1: <laughs> uh, also, in two thousand three, she stars in a movie with Ben Stiller called Duplex. Uh, that uh, looked, I remember that. Was it? It looked pretty, pretty dumb. It so. wasn't very good. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, two thousand and four. She's back with her friend. Adam Sandler. Is this the movie? This is the movie. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And this is this is a good one. She plays Lucy Whitmore, and this is Fifty First Dates, um, which <laughs> I don't know. I think when I first saw the premise for this movie, I was like, eh. anyway, I fucking love this one too. Um, she's a woman with a memory that resets every time she goes to bed and wakes up. Sean Ast- Astin is fucking amazing <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> he is uh, <laughs> he plays her brother Doug? Yeah, and then also Alan Covert from Grandma's Boy. Is 10-second Tim? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forgot about ten second Tim. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Dan Aykroyd's in this, yeah. and uh, the, I can't remember the guy's the actor's name, but he uh, he plays her dad. But he's in all of Adam Sandler's movies as well. Um, the, he's in the water, but you can't understand a word he says. Yeah, the fucking Farmer Fran. Yeah, yeah, Farmer Fran. Yeah. yeah. The tagline for this is Imagine, imagine having to win over the girl of your dreams every friggin' day. So go ahead because I I love this movie I've watched it numerous times and I would watch it again because I think it's hilarious Adam Saylor's amazing of course Rob Schneider's in it and fucking makes an appearance of, like every time every movie so go ahead
0: listen we were talking about Guilty Pleasures earlier mm-hmm. and this is one of those ones I would put in my Guilty Pleasures category yeah. I was raving about this movie yeah. when I watched it I couldn't <laughs> believe what I was seeing like yeah. I had never seen anything like this before I'm sure that there were movies that kind of did this type of thing before because yeah. there's kind of it's hard to come up with something original but this movie was fantastic I Mm -hmm. thought that the whole concept behind it you know him having to come up with unique ways to to kind of get her attention and fall in love with her and the fact that he got the whole island behind him and all that I've seen this movie countless times yeah I fucking love it I and this is one of those things that I always actually refer to this movie as being a rom-com that I love and for me how it gets it right uh, I don't know what the hell right means but for me it really resonated I thought Drew Barrymore was great but yeah i mean the whole cast is phenomenal yeah. and the and the concept is great so this here guilty pleasure or
1: not still one of my favorite comedies i fucking yeah. love it yeah it's definitely uh, it's definitely up there and i i do like the fact that i don't want to spoil anything for anybody <laughs> who hasn't seen it but there's a happy ending but at the same time she's not cured mm-hmm. and i mean how easy it would have been to be like, "Oh, here's the magic cure, and she's fucking great, but they don't and mm-hmm. they but they still give you that happy ending, which yeah. is awesome and and it is uh it's funny and the whole thing along the way I mean everybody fits perfectly in this movie, and they all add something great i mean as much as I love Sean Astin, Rob Schneider's fucking great in this movie, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I find a lot of Rob Schneider's characters in Adam Stanley's movies are, are pretty good. It's when he goes out on his own that's a little. Yeah. It's other than Deuce Bigelow. But we did try to watch that again. That was not good either. But yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, uh, so 51st Dates, that's the second time she teams up with her buddy there, Adam. Um, so another thing that happened in 2004, and I don't know, this one actually I forgot all about because it's not listed in her credits, but I. Remember, Bur- uh, Brian Herzlinger, he made a movie, and it was called My Date with Drew. Mm. So he went on a game show, and he won $1,100. Uh, the winning answer that won him the show was Drew Barrymore. So he's had a crush on her since he was two. So equipped with a camera from Circuit City that he had 30-day return policy on, Uh, Him and his school, his film school buddy, they decide they're going to set out and record this and they're going to find Drew and he's going to, Brian's going to ask her out on a date. This is a real thing that happened. Um, There was a website that you could follow along his progress. Of course, it wasn't easy for him to meet Drew. He had to go through publicists, agents, producers, um, assistants, all that stuff he had to get through. So, if you want a spoiler alert, I'll give you a spoiler alert. (laughs) If you want to know what fucking happens. Anyway, so this this is uh, Brian. He, it's, I think, day 27. The website crashes. He has to return the camera. Uh, He has not met Drew yet. So, anyway, he goes to a Charlie's Angels 2 release party. And he's got fake passes. And uh, he does meet drew barrymore but that's it that's where that ends at that Mm. time but so the website crashed and that was i think day 27 a few days after day 30 news spreads and then it's day 87 of this that uh, an urgent request comes in in a fedex a dvd of the movie has been sent to drew in new york and it's uh he gets a date for a week later after this. Interesting. So they got each other's gifts. Uh, she got him uh, a camcorder. <laughs> and uh, he got her a Snoopy snow cone machine and flowers, of course. Okay. So anyway, he got to have his date. I don't think it was a romantic date, but he did get to go meet Drew and go on. He's gone on to do a bunch of other things too. Okay. Movies. He was in film school and whatever, so I don't really know if this launched his career or whatever, but... Uh, Anyway, that's you can go watch that if you want to. I just ruined the whole fucking thing for you if you hadn't seen it. But. No, it sounds like a good movie. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. <laughs> like right now. another true story that she's been in. 3. Yeah. By my cat. I think there's I think there was another one earlier. There is definitely it, one more. Yeah, there. Well, no, be- <laughs> two more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua. They.
0: <laughs> Sad to admit I watched yes. it.
1: It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> 2005, <laughs> two thousand and five. she stars in Fever Pitch. Uh, she plays uh, Lindsay alongside Jimmy Fallon. The tagline for this is a comedy about the game of love. Definitely another rom-com. I watched it a long time ago. I I did find it funny. I did enjoy it. It's not something I'd sit down and watch over and over again. It has moments where it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But I know you have feelings on Jimmy Fallon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: they're complicated. <laughs> yeah. you know, Jimmy Fallon uh,
0: broke in at the same time as uh, as the other goof there, Chris, the Kattan. Roxbury, Chris Kattan. So I, for a long time, I conflated the two, mm-hmm. and I can't. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not talented or yeah. he's overrated because Jimmy Fallon is. Listen, his career speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. I just don't care for him. I don't no. like. I don't like his brand. Yeah. I think to me, he is a side character. He mm-hmm. is a Dana Carvey. He is. Uh, Not not Night at the Roxbury. He's not that low. He's not Chris Kattan. But for me, he's just not a leading guy. And so
1: I never really looked at him that way.
0: Eh, he's fine.
1: His movie career, I don't know that well because, I mean well he does he's in another movie with her later but uh now this is
0: like uh, a hot take right like yeah. everybody now especially the younger gen like a younger generation than us yeah no one from the Jimmy Fallon show yeah and this guy's fucking everywhere yeah. and again I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge him for an amazing career that he's had yeah I just don't find him entertaining I think yeah. he's way over the top mm-hmm. I don't think he's authentic I don't get an authentic feel no you know and this is coming from sounds like a weird thing to say from a Jim Carrey fan mm-hmm. who most people say well you talk about over the top I'm like yeah. yeah but he's actually really trying and maybe it's just for me Jimmy Fallon never connected you know he's maybe. that next generation but yeah. you know what Jimmy Fallon congratulations <laughs> we talked about you
1: yeah <laughs> yeah, you've made it uh, <laughs> uh, 2006 uh, another true story she's a voice in Curious George oh shit man <laughs> shit It's it's all about the animals and the extraterrestrials. Really, that comes down to it. Yeah, I know she did a voice in that. I don't even know what voice. I don't really give a fuck. Two thousand and seven. This sounds absolutely fucking trash. Uh, It's called music and lyrics, and it stars her and Hugh Grant. And apparently, they like each other or something. I don't fucking know. Uh, Tagline is share the music with someone you love. Now, Drew, I, I don't mean to rip apart your movies or anything like that because I'm. Nobody, but the uh, that one sounded horrible, and I apologize. If you had fun making it, great. But Hugh Grant is uh, past four weddings and a funeral. Well, you didn't like nine and a half months?
0: Or nine and a half later, or whatever it's called? Nine and a half. In
1: 2008, she does. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know the name of the movie. It was so impactful. Yeah. Uh, 2008. She Elizabeth does. Hurley she, was in that, I think. Yeah, Sorry, <laughs> No, not in that one. No? no? That Who was Julianne Moore in Ooh. that one you were talking about. This <laughs> You know what? In that movie, which just reminded me, it's him and Tom Arnold. I think they beat the shit out of that fucking Barney-like dinosaur thing in, oh. the, in the department store. That's the best thing in the whole nah, movie. But I still later. don't remember what it was called. Nine months or something. Nine months later. Something like. I think it's nine and a half. That's 90 and a half weeks, I think you're thinking of. Maybe. Yeah. Who cares? Anyway.
0: <laughs>
1: so, 2008.
0: Hey, hey, hey. You know what? Yeah. You know what I have to say? What? Hugh Grant? Mm. Congratulations. Yeah. We talked about you. <laughs>
1: That's how it happened. Uh yeah. Continue, <laughs> please. Anyway. More voiceover work in 2008 in the uh, aforementioned Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Oh, <laughs> We can just skip right along. There's nothing. I have nothing written on that. Nobody has anything written about it ever. Okay. 2009, she's uh, in an all-star cast here with uh, He's Just Not That Into You, which I think was based on a book, right? Mm. Um, There's a ton of people in this movie. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Hello. Uh, Bradley Cooper. Hello. (laughs) Ben Affleck. uh, Silence, eh? Yeah, yeah, fuck that guy. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Jennifer Connolly. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Um, Justin Long, who I think she was dating at the time of fucking this one. love Justin Long. He is funny. He's he is amazing. fucking Canadian. great. Is he
0: Canadian? Oh, he's partially Canadian, yeah. I think, or spent some time here. I <laughs> think he vacationed here. Just,
1: it was a you know, stopover. Yeah. You know what? My Justin Long, which one always stands out to me, is uh, Zach and Mary Make a Porno, where he pays oh, the gay porn God. star. Fucking up. ridiculous hell. Listen, I would yeah. rewatch
0: that one in a heartbeat because for the longest time, I said that movie, yeah. best romantic comedy ever. It because is. Because it's a one. fucking hell of a romantic comedy. It is
1: a good one. It's a, it's, it's a love story. It's the yeah. best love story. It's, it just mm-hmm. happens to be wrapped up in. The yeah, theme. yeah. Field. Anyway, great movie. Porn. tagline for that one. Are you the exception or the rule? Mm. Okay. Also in 2009, she's in a couple movies, uh, Grey Gardens and Everybody's Fine. I don't know anything about these stupid things, but anyway. Okay, so, and in 2009, she makes her directorial debut with Whippet. She also acts in this movie as Smashley Simpson. She stars alongside Kristen Wiig, Jimmy Fallon again, and Elliot Page. It's about roller derby. <laughs> I, don't, I, oh, I dropped
0: something, sorry. Yeah,
1: and the tagline is, be your own hero. I never no. watched this movie, so I'll say that. I didn't this. either.
0: I never watched it. I, I did watch a clip. Of um, of Steven Spielberg on her show earlier this year, the Drew Barrymore show, mm-hmm. and he had said that after watching Whippet, that he wanted to see her direct more because okay. uh in his mind, and who knows, Goddaughter, or somebody has a relationship with. Mm-hmm. In his mind, it, w- it was a great movie, and he wanted to see her get into directing more. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see that moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I'll ever watch it. It's about roller skating, right? Roller derby, Is that yeah. Roller that derby, yeah. Yep. And, I, and I'm not necessarily like, although I. I did watch it back in the day i used to fucking watch roller derby, derby. oh yeah man. it was awesome it. yeah it was around the time where like the original american gladiators and stuff like that they had roller derby out there and then it went away and it came back so who knows maybe there'll be a third wave <laughs> i think maybe oh by fourth, the way oh, oh by the way fifth wave by now elliot oh
1: god congratulations <laughs> anyways move along yeah 2010, going the distance with uh, boyfriend Justin Long. Mm. Another rom-com. Mm. Uh, I did not watch this one. Uh, tagline: A comedy about meeting each other halfway. So yeah, yeah I watched. I that. think I don't it's about it. distance, uh, uh, dist- long-distance relationships or something. Yeah, Some I think they meet on the there. internet or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I think you're just making up plots to movies now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's
0: interesting, right? It matches the time. Yeah. I think this was called You Got Mail 4.
1: Yeah. Here comes another true story, but this is a real true story. 2012... She's in something called Big Miracle. Um, She plays Rachel Kramer alongside John Krasinski. How awesome is that guy? Anyway, Mm. this is about... I don't know if you remember this story when it actually happened. I do. I remember watching the news. This is about the whales trapped in the ice in Alaska. Mm. Uh, There's no tagline for this movie, but uh, I remember watching this unfold um, when it happened. I guess during the uh, end credits. I haven't watched it, but I do remember the actual story. Um, The end credits, they show scenes from the film but then they show the actual scenes that were happening on the news so they kind of compare the two of them just so but uh, yeah I think they remember they ended up just cutting big chunks of the ice and made a trail for the whales to get out from the ice or whatever do you remember the story at all? Uh, I remember hearing about like them being trapped but I didn't I didn't know
0: anything about the story yeah so interesting did they use giant lasers? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't know why you're laughing. This is serious <laughs> question time. I don't
1: think so, because this happened in like 1980-something, oh I think, God. when the Are fucking whales me? got trapped. I was going to say, didn't you just say it was like early 2000s? <laughs> the movie came out in 2012. I don't think late the, 2000s. Yeah. No, I didn't say anything about early or late or nothing. You, so you're off yeah, fucking
0: track right all now. All right. Giant lasers would have made this job so much easier. Yeah. Wow. Like, okay, yeah. you take
1: a sea bass. Ooh. So... She does uh, voiceover work uh, throughout all this with uh, on The Simpsons a couple times. Uh, Family Guy, she reprises a couple roles on there. Does that? Now, this next one. Fuck. Back with Adam Sandler again uh, for the third time. And it's 2014. Uh, this might be my, my kid's favorite movie ever. They've watched it nine billion times. Sometimes back to back, back to back, to back, to back. And I don't understand why. I mean, it's funny. It, Terry Crews is fucking phenomenal in this movie. Uh, it's uh, blended. And uh, there's no tagline for this one, but this is the third one uh, with Adam Sandler, and I gotta say, I think each time she went out with Adam Sandler, she she did good. Like the, each one is good in its own way. uh Blended, probably not my favorite of the three, but definitely definitely some funny funny yeah. stuff in that movie. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the parasailing on the safari is fucking phenomenal. Oh, see, now that
0: came out around the time where I kind of not no pun intended, but I was blending a bunch of different movies together. Yeah. Uh, because although we had funny moments. Yeah. It felt like a lot of other movies to me. Probably. So it didn't really stand out. So yeah, that yeah. parasailing one doesn't really ring a bell. But That's
1: what was where, the, so it? So it's her parasailing behind the Jeep as they're going through like the Serengeti oh or some God. shit like that. And it's hilarious. Uh, that There's that scene. And then there's this where he's carrying her kid to bed or something. And he whacks, she whacks the head <laughs> off the door or something like that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, they're great as they, as they are uh, in all three of the movies together. But Terry Crews is the... Um, resort greeter or director or whatever, but he sings to them and he dances the whole time. The whole thing is, is they go to this resort and it's for blended families. So like, uh, you know, they've been in previous relationships and they have kids from other relationships and they're blending the family together. So this is what the resort specializes in. So, and he's singing about being blended and off. It's, if you have, if you haven't seen it, watch it because Terry Crews is fucking. I just love him in a lot of things that he does, but he is really good in that. I want to hear that the working title for that movie was called mm-hmm. Baggage. <laughs> <It>
0: probably, <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Like mine.
1: Let's, let's be real. Remember when we started this and you were like, "I don't think there's gonna be anything funny." No, in this. no funny.
0: <laughs> this is. There's not gonna be anything funny no. even in the next four hours when I talk. No. <laughs>
1: We're getting to the end of me. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. This has actually so, been entertaining for me. All right. It's <laughs> lifting
0: my spirits. <laughs> I get nothing for yeah. you.
1: 2015, uh, her second last movie role is called uh, Miss You Already with Tony Collette. Uh, seems like it would be sad one. I didn't watch it. It's one friend is starting a family and the other one is getting sick. Mm-hmm. And it puts a strain on the relationship and whatever. Oh, doesn't I, doesn't
0: Tony Collette have like cancer or something like that in it or something? Yes, like, I yeah, I think that's I what have it watched is, that movie. Yeah. It's not
1: fun. I it <laughs> sound like it would be. Um so in to, from 2017 to 2019 she stars in the Netflix show Santa Clarita Diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, she plays Sheila Hammond opposite Timothy Oliphant, who he's awesome as well. I fucking love that guy. Yeah. Man. Um I haven't watched this, but I'm told it's really good and I believe after the third sa- season, when it was canceled, there was a lot of people that were really pissed about this that it got canceled. And I don't know if she was one of them or not, but uh, from what I understand, a huge, huge fan base and following. So I watched the first season and I thought it was great, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they both worked really well together. I'm pretty sure that both, I think they play real estate agents or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And it, it was awesome. I didn't get a chance to watch the the other seasons. Yeah. Um, but I can see why people would be disappointed unless yeah. the writing tailed off. But I the don't, first season was solid, man. Yeah.
1: And I don't know how it ended either, if it ended like a nice wrapped up finish or if it's mm-hmm. ended thinking they were coming back for season four. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know if you want to invest the time in two and three. As soon as I find out a show doesn't end and it's not wrapped up I stop watching it cuz I don't want to be angry at the oh, end oh yeah see so. Tim-
0: uh, timothy uh, i used to call him olafay yeah because uh, i just think it's nicer and i wonder if he would actually uh re his name for me he but probably would i love that guy yeah i think he's amazing in everything that he's done mm-hmm. from girl next door to justify to everything that he's done he was in one of the screams mandalorian yeah, yeah he was in uh, one of the Screams yes, as was. well mm-hmm. uh so i love that guy and to see the two of them man the chemistry uh, that they had on screen phenomenal really good show
1: i recommend it cool Uh, In 2020, she appeared in the viral boss bitch fight. It was uh, short clips of uh, famous women uh, fighting each other, but not really. It was each one filmed a little different little segment of themselves, and then they were all edited together. Each woman was in their own home or in their own setting. Uh, It was during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, which still go, <laughs> it's still going on. So I can't say it was during t- because t- t- it's still happening. So The current, COVID-19. The current uh, COVID-19 pandemic. It was made to entertain everybody stuck at sure. home. It was kind of cool. I watched a few minutes of it, and it's like you know, Scarlett Johansson, she's got like a big uh, workout ball, and she throws it, and then all of a sudden it cuts to this huh? other scene. Oh. It comes flying in and hits like maybe Drew Barrymore in the back of the head, and then she does all these kicks or whatever, and then she kicks, and then all of a sudden it looks like You know, Courtney Cox looked like she got kicked in the face or whatever. She flies back and then she throws a bunch of yeah. It's that's it is it is kind of entertaining. It's It's just those projects
0: that people were doing when you couldn't get out and actually
1: film. Yeah, it's about six minutes long of women who look like they're fighting each other, but it's pretty cool anyway. Yeah, Uh, in uh, 2020, she was in the Stand In. Uh, She played Paula slash Candy. The significance of this movie is this is her last movie. Um, She has said publicly she's taking an indefinite hiatus from acting. So that's it. I mean, if you want to see Drew now, uh, she's hosting her own daytime talk show, uh, The Drew Barrymore Show. Um, I hear that this is this is going to be Ellen's replacement after all of Ellen's controversy and the fact that her show is leaving the air. Mm. Um, this is, this is going to be the new it show is, is Drew Barry show? I haven't watched any of it. Um, probably, I mean, I did see the clip where she looked like she was interviewing her, her child self. Oh, there's a clip where she's sitting at the tonight show desk and she comes out to sit with Johnny Carson and it's that interview, but she's asking the questions and then she's answering them like this. Hilarious. Yeah. Cut together. And, uh, yeah, so like I said earlier, I was going to get into her friendship with Adam Sandler, but, uh, I mean, you know, whatever. They're great friends. She's great friends with the whole family. He's been there for her and, and vice versa. Whatever. I mean, it is what it is. It's great to have friends on that level. Adam and his wife seem to be a constant in Drew's life, which is which is great, because, I mean, you're going to tell us about Drew's life. I also found out, and this was by happenstance. Did I use that word right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Fuck, amazing. nailed it. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> He's got, the move, he's got the Moves Kids. Yeah. Uh, I found that she's got her own magazine. Oh, interesting. Yes. And uh, guess what it's called, Drew. Um.
0: <laughs> so I mean, anyway. Is it a, is it a drawing <laughs> magazine? like just featuring different child's
1: art? Things that you would put on a fridge? No. Perhaps maybe some blank No, sheets so that we, it a seems kid. to be a little bit of everything. And Drew as well. Yeah, she seems to be turning into the new Oprah. Um, so if you want to see more of that, it's at DrewBarrymoreMagazine.com. dot um, And uh, as for that, like for Drew's career up to this point, I mean, that's all I really got. That's her movies. That's her TV shows. That's her. That's her um, acting. So. Um, we're about to find out it wasn't smooth sailing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's so interesting when you take a look at her credentials, right? And you you start to think, like, I know one of the reasons why we wanted to do this was because we know that there was trouble in her past. Mm -hmm. And we were curious to know what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I wasn't just curious about what Drew's trouble past was. I wanted to know you know get into a little bit of maybe the foundation of why we're here or why we're even talking about this this woman Mm -hmm. who has gone on obviously to have an amazing career and you're right she is she's got a production company she's got uh, beauty and and wellness lines like she's all over the fucking place Mm -hmm. so she's done fine for herself but um, we're gonna dip into her family a little bit some people that uh, I never knew existed didn't even know why they were relevant and maybe after I've finished talking you're not gonna think they're relevant anyways (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) we're just going to go through uh, the family and a little bit of information that I found out about some of these people as we go that I found intriguing. Uh, As you said, she was born to uh, John Drew Barrymore Jr. Mm -hmm. and Jade Barrymore, born a I believe, Jade Macau. She was born actually in a displaced persons camp in, uh, like, just outside of West Germany. Uh, Her parents were uh, Hungarian- i i would imagine they were jewish hungarian
1: refug- refugees after they, world war ii they both were uh yes see i only read about that uh the, the dad was I oh no no no
0: sorry this is the mom this is the mom but her parents oh, are, are, oh yeah oh, oh, okay. yeah okay, okay. so um so yeah they were born in. she was born in a displacement camp 46 i believe is when she was born mm-hmm. and uh, so i found that that was intriguing because i had read some stuff before that about her mom that made me wonder like how the hell did she end up being the way that she is well we'll get into that in a few minutes uh, her father Barrymore has uh, three older half siblings. Uh, sorry, her father through her father Drew has three older half siblings, mm-hmm. including John Blythe Barrymore the mm-hmm. third, Jessica Barrymore, and I don't even know who the other person is. They seem to have escaped any of this fame or connection because I didn't really find any names there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the grandparents, as you had said earlier, great great grandparents, uh, but all the grandparents are actors. So great-grandparents Maurice and uh, Georgina Drew Barrymore, as well as her paternal grandparents John Barrymore and Dolores Castillo were actors, uh, with John being arguably the most acclaimed actor of his generation. Okay. So this is where one of the terms that I had seen was the royal family of Hollywood. Oh, okay. I had never knew that this Barrymore family
1: had any significance in Hollywood no. or acting, but holy fuck. Did... <clears throat> Sorry, did she not have two grandparents who were actors, and they were both named Maurice on two further sides? Was it Maurice or?
0: Yeah, well, there was a Maurice. There might
1: have been on both sides. I, on one side, there was a Maurice, and then there was a Maurice on the other side. I thought they, they were both actors. They, as yeah, well. you're, you're very well. Right. I had to cut it off at a certain point oh, yeah. <laughs> because I was like, "Holy shit, guys!" Yeah. Based on
0: what Drew said in some of the stuff that I was reading and listening to, yeah. four hundred years of acting, seven generations. Jesus. Like holy fuck! So how do you track all this stuff, right?
1: No, I mean fuck. I haven't seen a movie from four hundred years ago, but no, I mean I
0: I have. I've dabbled a little bit, <laughs> but no. So I mean, like when you talk about royal family and you talk about her being born into something special, of course you're starting to see it. Lionel Barrymore, who is her <clears throat> uncle, who's John John Senior's brother. It's her great uncle, actually. Uh, he is an American actor on stage. Screen, film director. He won an Academy Award for his performance in Free Soul in 1931. Remains best known. This is why I pointed this guy out. Remains best known for his, to modern audiences as his role for the villainous Mr. Potter and Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, so that's her great uncle. Oh, sure. I had no idea. So sure. when I read that, I was like, fuck, this is awesome. Chris and I used to walk around all the time going, you're wrong, Mr. Potter. <laughs> like when Stuart just fucking loses his mind on him. He's got his finger right in his face. Yeah. No, well, there you go. That was Drew's great uncle. Oh, excellent. Uh, great aunt Ethel Barrymore. Ethel.
1: Great yeah. Na- great name.
0: Great name. <laughs> she, um, she is American actress, mm-hmm. uh, radio screen uh, spanning six generations. Uh, She was regarded as the first lady of American theater. So again, we're talking about royalty as it's, so it's starting to come clear to me that, yeah, this fucking family is something special, but this is also what Drew is born into. So you start to think that maybe this weighs a little bit on decisions and so forth. Uh, Great, great granddaughter of Irish born John and English born Louise, uh, Louisa Lane Drew, all of whom are actors. So, we're getting great great granddaughter. It's this is it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You just going to have to stop it at some point in time. Great yeah. great niece of uh, Broadway idol John Drew Barrymore. He was in silent films and he was a writer and director as well. Jesus. So, you're starting to get an idea that this this family is like there's a lineage there, mm-hmm. you know. So I started to want to know a little bit more. Okay, let's go back into the parents. I want to find out what the hell these parents have. We, of course, have heard about some of the things like, you know, obviously the drugs and the Mm -hmm. emancipation and all that. So I started to dig in on the parents first. I started focusing on Jade a little bit. And as I said, she was born in 46 in a displaced persons camp. And I wanted to look up exactly what the displaced persons camp was for. And it was for liberated Jewish Uh, prisoners from the concentration camps, and then it was later used uh, by Jewish refugees from the Russian-controlled Jewish areas as well. So these camps, you have to imagine, are not necessarily the most happy. However, one of the things that I'm wondering about is we're seeing these ideas Uh, depicted in shows and movies that happiness can be found in all sorts of different places. So Mm -hmm. I don't automatically look at a circumstance like this and say, well, of course, Jade was looking for something different in her life um, because she's a bit of a problematic individual as we're going to get to in a second, but it does make you wonder like, fuck that's so far from what we were born into. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? I can't imagine any of that. No. So Jade marries John Barrymore jr. In 71, they have a child, Drew Barrymore. Jay begins acting in 1992 with a small role in a popular comedy called Night Shift. Are you familiar with this? Yeah. I think I may have watched it, but listen yeah. to this. In what year was this, sorry? This
1: was 82. 82. Oh, I thought you said 92, was No, no. Oh, okay.
0: Listen to the cast and people. First of all, the director, Ron Howard. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, it talks about the movie, but that's neither here nor there. Henry Winkler um michael keaton Shelley long that's the, they were
1: in the movie i remember the movie
0: yeah so this is the movie oh okay okay so yeah. i thought it was a tv show no no, no. no no
1: oh i might have said tv show my apologies yeah, yeah. Oh, if no. I did. yes i do know this movie yeah. yes yeah so this is this is i think this uh, is one of my uh i think it was my stepdad i think this is one of his favorite oh, movies I okay think. it yeah. seems
0: like when i think i may have watched it but mm. i don't even know and uh yeah so tons of people in this there's a brief scene with a young Kevin Costner who plays frat boy number one. Jesus Shannon Christ. Doherty Holy is shit. in this movie. How old would she
1: have been? In oh my god, eighty-two. She, she would have been like ten. She probably would have been, yeah, 10, thirty. She was well, she was fifty when she was in l
0: Yeah, that's exactly it. They all were. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so tons of people in this movie. She mm. she starred in that. Uh, she only had one additional role in a um, highly popular movie, irreconcilable. Differences. She was in that. She was in that, apparently. She probably should have took notes. I know, right? <laughs> Completely overshadowed by her daughter, Ryan O'Neill, yeah. Shelley Long, Drew Barrymore, yeah. of course. Uh, before her and John had divorced in 84. So that's her two credits there, and then she gets divorced. It's unclear who gained custody of Drew at this time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But for many interviews that Drew had done, it appears that neither parent really spent enough time with Drew.
1: Yeah, I didn't uh, think she, anything I read, she didn't have a very good relationship with her dad at all, so I didn't think he was, yeah, like, I don't know if when he passed away or whatever, but I, as far as I know, she just barely spoke to him, so. Would you
0: like to know? Yeah. I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I figured you would. Yeah, so.
0: uh, Drew was about nine years old at the time of the divorce, and had been performing at that time for six years. Yeah. Um, so... And and she was obviously a big star in that movie. However, after the divorce, there there was a number of years where Jade hadn't been seen on films. During this time, she was raising Drew slash managing Drew Mm -hmm. in the Hollywood world. Um, And this is where things really start to uh, get a little questionable from a parenting perspective. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes taking her to Club 54. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the China Club, uh, I can't remember what the name of that was, China Dul- I can't remember the name, mm-hmm. uh, but often both of them experiencing drugs and alcohol in the party life,
1: yeah. And I think she was like, what at this time, she's like 10, 11, 12, yeah. somewhere in there,
0: yeah. We're gonna get in. like, yeah. all we'll, we'll kind of list Drew's journey a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, seven, eight,
1: nine <sighs> is basically what we're looking at there. So that's that's Bentley's age right now, and yeah, imagine that one can't imagine that I mean he's pretty nuts as it is and add drugs to that (laughs) he's fucking awesome (laughs) father of the year
0: (laughs) by the late 80s uh, Drew is becoming is, is starting to become addicted to drugs and in 89 her mother after several attempts with 30 day treatment centers sends her off to the Van Nuys Psychiatric Center for treatment and addiction for 18 months Now, according to. What years were this? Sorry. What years were this? Yeah. Uh, This was in 89. Yeah, We're at 89, so
1: they're looking at the gaps in the movies. And yes. I was, I knew about it, but I didn't know where it was. And I was like looking at the gaps going on. Ah, maybe that's where that fits in. That's right. So, yeah.
0: So apparently, according to one of the interviews that I was listening to with Drew, they basically take you in the middle of the night and uh, like against your Will, of course. Oh, yeah. and And they put you into this. Um, now, we'll elaborate a little bit more on Drew's thoughts of that time there, but yeah, so this is what's happening. During this time, Drew had sued her parents for emancipation, and she won. Mm-hmm. Uh, this led to an estrangement between mother and daughter. It must have affected the mother significantly, as some reports say, uh, as she appeared to try to turn her own life around. Mm-hmm. Uh 1992, she began to act once again. This is still Jade that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, appearing in one film in a small role... Uh, And then she landed a study role on an animated series called Eek the Cat, which, yeah, so she was a a study uh, voice actor there. By the late 90s and into the 2000s, she had additional roles come her way, um, but most of them are alongside Drew. And at some point in time, Drew and Jade made, you know, made up, but then years after that, they decided that they were just going to not talk to each other for a while. And that's kind of where that kind of went off. Yeah. So that's the mom. That's 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 a tough one.
1: Yeah, I I remember uh, reading or hearing about the whole uh, the mom taking her to Club or Studio Fifty Four, and I, I mean anything I've ever seen about Studio Fifty Four, that is not. A, and there was never a time that was a place for a child. <laughs> so, you can't even they, imagine. Yeah, I mean, awesome. <laughs> you would think if you're that kid in there seeing all that mm-hmm. shit, like what the fuck, but yeah not 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 uh, no we shouldn't be taking kids there so.
0: no no definitely not <laughs> one of the things i'll throw in here as well as you had mentioned uh, drew posing for playboy mm-hmm. and that was i believe in 95 uh january 95 is when she posed for playboy yeah. oddly enough who graces the cover of playboy in september of 95 mm. jade
1: yes i do yeah I yeah
0: know, so man. you start to see this thing and it's the classic you know mom is a best friend it's not a mom
1: yeah, and right. it almost seemed like Drew's getting the success that Jade thinks she should have. One hundred percent, and jealousy, and whatever.
0: Yeah, it's very you easy know? to say that a lot of people would be like, "Oh, she's just riding Drew's coattails," and um, and I'm sure that she was in some yeah. ways. Uh, I don't know what the motivations of the mother were. No. You know, she might have had pure intentions. She mm-hmm. might just not have known how to be a mother, yeah. but clearly she was not. No, she should not have been in child tri- and tri- control of a child.
1: Honestly, I think not just this hollywood family but you read about other hollywood families maybe not to this extreme but i think it's pretty common that the parents who are involved in hollywood and the kids are involved in hollywood they have no fucking clue mm-hmm. what's going on and there's always these tales of oh shit i mean you look at you look at the fucking culkins and 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 lohans and spears and all that and mm-hmm. the parents just i don't know if they're trying or or whatever but they just don't have an idea and shit just seems to go south yeah (laughs) living
0: vicariously through them which is what they always talk about when it comes to sport parents too yeah oh yeah 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 so i it's it's very interesting but it seems to be
1: just white people
0: oh it's 100 percent white people i've never heard of that with anybody else yeah any other backgrounds
1: okay goddamn
0: white people fucking things up all left right and center so as much yeah. as she might not have been the prototypical mother uh, mother figure, she might have done the best that she could. Now we get into the father, yeah. John Jr. Uh, he's born in 32, as we said. Yep. Uh, he began with small role, a small role in the Sundowners in 1950, mm-hmm. uh, Western with uh, Robert uh, Preston. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure if I know him, but you you kind of know Westerns a little bit because your dad was into them, right?
1: Yeah, and I've actually kind of started getting into them. Yeah, you I, were saying I, I fucking did not like them as a kid. My mm. dad would have one on and I'd turn around and get out of the fucking room and then I sat down and I watched Magnificent Seven, I think, with... Oh, okay. uh, denzel uh chris pratt and, and whatever and i was like you know whatever i kind of enjoyed it but i kind of thought i was like you know what maybe i should give some of these older ones uh a go so yeah i've been checking out some older ones i'm going kind of backwards so like i did tombstone and uh, unforgiven but i mean those are newer ones mm-hmm. to get into i remember watching like the good the bad and the ugly and 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 stuff like that but uh the one that i'm i'm gonna do next probably is the man who shot liberty valance and uh i don't know maybe it's just a certain age you get to when you're a man you're just like yeah i want to watch the old west and watch people sure. shoot each other uh but yeah my dad fucking loves him my grandma uh, armstrong was the biggest john wayne fan uh, you could ever meet and that guy was a horrible human being as we're learning mm-hmm. more and more every day but uh i don't want to get on a tangent but if you ever seen anything john wayne was in that motherfucker could not act yeah, he's, not, no, an he's, to save he's, he's not an actor. And I don't understand how he got so fucking famous. I think it was just because he was
0: a manly man at the time and they wanted manly men on the screen. His
1: real name was Marion,
0: first of all. Yeah, it's and the manliest thing you can he, be called.
1: Well, you know, there, there's another Marion out there and, and, and he was a dick too, and that's Shug Knight. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but apparently, like, super racist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not Shug. No. Uh <laughs> Well, he might be. Maybe he doesn't like white people. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, John Wayne. But anyway, I don't want to go on, on, on a fucking rant about John Wayne, but he couldn't act like fuck at all. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm not surprised. I don't yeah. think
0: that they were really looking for a lot of great actors at that yeah. point in time. Because yeah. even early Clint Eastwood stuff, like Clint Eastwood to me is not a like a great thespian. No. He's just a... He's good for that role. He's a manly yeah. man. Yeah. I love
1: Deadpool. I think it's a fucking great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, not the one with Ryan Reynolds, but that one's good too. Oh, that's what uh, I was talking about. I didn't know Clint was in that. Uh, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> T- I, T- uh, character. have you
0: ever seen The Sundowners or anything like that? I not never, that I can think of. No. I never even knew. No. Like, he was 18 years old at the time. He actually needed to get his mom's permission in order to act in the movie, which oh, is right. interesting. But yeah, in, in, uh, in 53. So we're talking three years after that role. In 53, he was, he was briefly jailed uh, for failing to appear for three traffic charges. Oh, yeah. Barrymore's uh, films were not prote- particularly successful. In 54, he moved into television. Two years later, he returns back to films. Uh, so now we're at 56. In 58, he was sentenced to work three weekends in a prison after a drunken public fight with his ex-wife in the parking lot. And I say parking lot because it seems like where a fight would happen with an ex-wife, just in the parking drunken, lot. Park and just a drunken fight in a parking lot. Yeah. And 59... Like physical fight? Or we- I guess. <laughs> I mean, three weekends in a prison, I, I, yeah. I could imagine he probably did things that were not... Indicative of three weekends. What year was this? Sorry, this was fifty nine. Yeah, so yeah. Three, oh no, fifty eight. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so three weekends in prison is like a life sentence for. A, oh yeah, for a yeah. Things or. were
0: skewed back <laughs> then. Yeah. In fifty nine, his ex wife sues for non payment of alimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on that year, he was arrested in a suspected hit and run uh, and drunken drunk driving incident. Later on in that year, still. He quits the touring company of uh, Look Homeward Angel after a week and a half of rehearsals, pops over to Italy for five years, uh, appears appears in several movies there. As you, as you do. As you do, <laughs> right? He returns back to Hollywood and he announces that he's made 16 movies abroad. Oh. Uh, and a quote, I'm not going to do anything bad anymore. Uh, I feel I'm straightening out uh, down the block. Don't know what that okay. means. But I'm imagining he thinks he's going on the right trail.
1: I feel like that's a lie. I think it
0: might be. <laughs> Somewhere around the block, I lost half of my ego. So I don't work for applause. So that he was clearly trying to find himself in some way. Um, let's see if he did. So he guest stars on episodes of TV series Gunsmoke, Rawhide, Run For Your Life, Jericho, uh, and and a few other ones. Still he, all
1: Western-type shows? Yep. Uh, Ra- yep Rawhide, still. definitely.
0: Yeah, definitely Rawhide. And Gunsmoke as well. Gunsmoke, yes. Yeah. yes. Uh Drew Barrymore's antisocial and erratic behavior continued continue to obstruct his professional progress. And in 1960... 1960- so did he...
1: Sorry, did he yeah. go by Drew or did he go by John?
0: He went by John. Oh, okay. Yeah, he went by John. Okay. So yeah, I think I just said Drew, but yeah, no, I know that'll happen. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I wasn't
1: <laughs> sure if, if he went by Drew as well or... or oh, or, yeah. So, yeah.
0: No, no, no. Uh, John, B- John Barrymore, for sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so in 1960, he was occasionally incarcerated for drug use, public drunkenness, and spousal abuse. Apparently had a violent temper when he was drinking, Sounds which actually came out a lot in uh, with his relationship with Jade uh, mm-hmm. that Drew Barrymore either experienced or knew of. In 64, he went to uh, prison for possession of marijuana. Now, so this is an interesting one. As I read this, I thought to myself, okay, obviously this guy has a troubled past. Mm -hmm. You know, his his father before him had substance abuse issues. And it's it's interesting to me that you start to see the escalation of the substance, right? It's alcohol." Mainly not saying that alcohol is good because mm-hmm. we both know that it isn't, and then you get into like marijuana, it's like that's the worst you could possibly in '64. Oh, yeah. Marijuana is the fucking devil, right? Yeah, and then you get into Drew's uh career in her life, and it's cocaine, and and you know, the people in yeah. her realm is, is heroin and that kind of shit. Yeah. So it's interesting the escalation, you know, in '66. John was signed to play uh, a guest role as La- uh, Lazarus, uh, Lazarus actually, in Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Um, he failed to show up for the role, so he was replaced, and he was actually suspended by SAG, who's the... Oh, yeah. Screen you know, Actors Guild or exactly. whatever. Exactly. Yeah. After his SAG suspension he uh, that he served in 67, <clears throat> he sporadically worked on screen, sometimes with a few years in between appearances, and in 67 was imprisoned for possession of drugs, following a car crash. In 69, he was arrested again for, pro- uh, for possession of drugs after another car accident. Jesus. This guy's history is so mm-hmm. sordid. As Barrymore became more and more recluse, he, re- he withdrew from acting, uh, with his final two appearances being on the 72 episode of Kung Fu uh, <laughs> and an uncredited role in Baby Blue Marine. Who knows what that is? I'm yep. sure somebody did in 67. Barrymore suf- suffered from the same addiction problems as destroyed his father's career. Mm-hmm. Although he continued to appear occasionally on screen, he became more and more reclusive, eventually disappearing into the wilderness to live a, a mystical existence, Good God. Um, which is also described as derelict. Uh, and so, and, Just made it sound nice. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, mystical would be yeah, something like, I would I be after. I would right
1: fucking mystical shit too, but not if you call me a derelict, I'm not going to do Sounds it. Sounds
0: amazing. <laughs> In her 91 biography, a Little Girl Lost, Drew recounts uh, early memories of an abusive father who left her family when she was six months old. Uh, she and her father never had anything re- resembling a significant no. relationship, seldom spoke He was estranged from his family, including his children. Uh, His lifestyle continued to worsen and his physical health and mental health deteriorated. In 2003, Drew uh, moved her father closer to her home despite their estrangement. She paid for all of his medical bills until his death of cancer at the age of 72. Uh, She spread his ashes and and from what I understand, she actually got together with... This was the only time that her her half-brother John her half sister jessica had met and gotten together and they spread his ashes at the joshua tree and joshua tree national park because that was his favorite place uh he has a star possibly i hope so (laughs) you imagine oh of course don't they all just intersect they're all just they're all just superstars yeah he has a star on hollywood for his contributions to television yeah so i I don't know (laughs) i don't know yeah so that's the parents now we're going to get into the brother for a quick second. Okay. Because I found it interesting. You know, John Barrymore, I wanted to know, like, the, oh, the way that they talk about it is, oh, bro, half-brother actor John Barrymore. I'm like, I've never heard of this fucking nope. dude. That's There's probably a reason why. He was born in 50, 54. <laughs> um, he was actually up for the role of Eddie Munster, but okay. his mother wouldn't allow it. She didn't want him to be a child actor. And later on in life, he actually thanked his mom mm-hmm. for him not becoming a child actor, which... Okay we do know at that time was probably pretty problematic for people. Yeah. Um, So maybe he dodged a bullet there Mm -hmm. too bad. He didn't keep moving. He was known for his role uh, in Kung Fu. So funny enough, he was actually in that TV show that his father would uh, have one of his last appearances on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like his father, John had a sporadic career in film and TV, mainly appearing in horror movies and comedies. John found himself homeless in 2012 while on Skid Row, he uh, took to wearing a shirt that said, I am Drew Barrymore's brother. And two
1: They look the a crazy homeless guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so me that's, too, buddy. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's, that's him. You yeah. know, a little bit of a problematic... Is he still alive? Uh, yes, he's still alive from what yeah. I can tell. Okay. However, in 2014, Jessica, the half-sister yeah. of both of them, is actually found dead in oh. her car in California. With vodka, meth, dozens of white uh, pills scattered everywhere. So,
1: intentional or accidental?
0: Well, here's the thing. I didn't dig too far into this. Mm-hmm. At the time that I was reading some of these reports, which was pretty new when, when it was announced. They didn't... They said it was an apparent suicide. Oh, okay. Uh, Now, John, probably. I think they had a relationship, so he kind of defended her. He was like, ah, it looks to me like it was drug misadventure. Mixing alcohols and pills. Now, listen, I'm not going to sit here and disparage the woman. I don't know her life. You know, she's sitting in a a Corolla. She's got meth. She's got pills. uh, She's got vodka and an energy drink. Yeah, it sounds like misadventure to me. Yeah. Right? But regardless of what took her life mm-hmm. she was obviously mixing things that probably should not yeah. have been mixed and she and she took a, you know for sure so she's gone so again more issues there this is half sister so that's fine might be the most horrible <laughs> I gotta pee so bad. <laughs> See, this is where we would take a break for advertisers and bring in twenty three and me.
1: Holy fuck. Oh my god, that was amazing.
0: I was completely wrong. There's a lot of laughter on that side of it. Oh,
1: I'm crying. Holy fuck. I was not expecting that. I can't wait to listen to that back. Okay. I'm just gonna
0: circle that one. Yeah. That's a keeper kids. Sorry, Drew. (laughs) But... She seemed to be okay with it.
1: What was your line? Congratulations, Jessica. Yeah. We talked about you. We talked about you. You know what I mean?
0: Like, if you're not happy about this... Oh, fuck. There's no amount of meth in the world that's going to make you happy. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Mm. Uh,
0: Yeah, some serious issues. That was fucking Awesome.
1: (laughs) God, Jesus. Oh, boy. Fuck. You know okay. know what I mean? like, Sorry. Hmm. Go ahead.
0: We'll end up on another positive note with uh, Aunt Diane. Uh, oh. uh, her, her aunt, who is uh, John's sister, also suffered from drug and alcohol addictions through her whole life. She had made a few movies uh, back in the 40s, but, uh, you know, eventually that didn't pan out. And she ended up dying of a drug overdose in 1960. Although her autopsy failed to find any cause of death. And no apparent indication of overdose, but that was the popular belief at the time. You know, they're starting to see this apparent Barrymore curse, mm-hmm. right? Which kind of starts with the great-great-grandfather. And probably even before that, God knows, uh, alcoholism has a very interesting way or abuse issues have a very interesting way of filtering down, uh, yeah. but yeah, there's there's a lot of issues here. There's a lot of people who didn't succumb. I would like yep. to say to mm-hmm. this in the Barrymore family, yep. uh, but you know, there's a lot of people here that are, are passing away or having like serious issues mm-hmm. uh, that are not fully related, even. And that's the thing that I find interesting about mm-hmm. this. Um, but See? yeah, yeah, aunt is gone. You know, so that's uh, that that there is a little bit of the family so that gives you a bit of a background Mm -hmm. of what's happening with this royal family the accolades Mm -hmm. and the despair that follows so hey maybe it's the same with a lot of people's family that aren't notorious that Mm -hmm. aren't out there acting i'm sure that there's generations of people who go through substance abuse issues Mm -hmm. and there's other people within that that don't succumb to it but clearly you know there's there's something going on here Mm -hmm. right so let's get into Drew, yeah. shall we? This is why we came here today. <laughs> we didn't have a few laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> fuck. Oh my goodness! Uh,
1: that one's gonna come back a lot. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: We had touched on her name.
1: Sorry, that's okay. All it's
0: right. okay. This is it's. You have to add levity to serious uh, situations. Fuck. Okay. You touched on her name earlier. Mm -hmm. Drew was the maiden name of her paternal great grandmother, Georgina Drew, Mm -hmm. and her middle name Blythe was the surname of the first family or first uh, the family first used when the great grandfather Maurice Barrymore. So, kind of like a blend of names as this family was established. Uh, You touched upon kind of where she grew up and all of that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. which is great. Uh she in her 2015 memoirs, Wild Flower, uh, she says that she talks like a valley girl because she grew up in Sherman Oaks in nineteen and uh she ends up moving back to West Hollywood and and at the age of fourteen becomes emancipated mm-hmm. uh from her family. We're gonna touch on this a little bit more uh as we go through. And she's at this point in time though, like you know, like when she's a kid, in the wake of her stardom, Barrymore endures like notorious problems as, as as a child mm-hmm. right and this is the stuff that we're going to get into regularly uh at, at club 54 as a young girl her nightlife uh, partying subject of you know media attention and world like worldwide almost yeah right um she in her autobiography little girl lost which we talked about before which was published in 2000 or 1990 When she was 16, she started drinking. This is what this is kind of a little bit of a breakdown. She started drinking when she was nine, she started smoking pot regularly when she was 10. She was addicted to cocaine at the age of 12.
1: Fucking that's insane!
0: So, again, you have two young children. Yeah, can you imagine that? like that lifestyle and for what we know now of developing brains and mm-hmm. you know what's happening there and how you can't possibly even know the mm-hmm. damage that you're doing to somebody that's ridiculous isn't that? that's
1: <clears throat> yeah that's unfathomable yeah. Think, I, I, yeah
0: so as we touched upon earlier forced by her mom you know to spend 18 months in the van nuys psychiatric center uh for mental illness uh She there's a suicide attempt at 14 that puts her back into rehab. Mm-hmm. Okay, followed by a three month or three month stay with singer David Crosby and his wife.
1: I didn't read about this. Yeah, that's weird,
0: but yeah, yeah think... it seems like what they were trying to do was kind of bring that hippie lifestyle mm-hmm. and having addicts, you know, growing together and yeah. learning together. And that's what he said. He felt that she needed to be around people yeah. who understood her plight yep. and and you know. And we're being reinforcing about it, but it is what it is. I mean, it's not,
1: not a horrible idea, but it just seems like fucking, in Hollywood, just, everything is just, I don't even know how to put it. It's just everything is, oh, here, you're fucked up. Go live with David Crosby. Like, I know. I know, right? <laughs> right? Like, like
0: <clears throat> It's the same thing we were talking about with Phoenix, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, stuff it was like. Aykroyd, right? At yeah. That,
1: with him? Yeah, so...
0: So very yeah. interesting that you get these things. I, I have a feeling there may be a component of, well, these people don't understand me. I'm sure that that happens mm-hmm, with a lot sure. of yep. situations like that, right? And nobody's going to understand you more than people who are going through it. Um, but either way, she kind of goes through that. Uh, about, the, about the suicide, in an interview she did in 2010, she said that she, she was just, she didn't want to die. Uh, she just wanted to get away from her mother. So she didn't feel that she wanted to leave this plane. She just wanted to leave that situation, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, uh, Her quote, low self-esteem had plagued me for years. Uh, Repairing my low self-esteem was a major part of my treatment while in rehab. So she talks about the rehab, and this is intriguing because... She doesn't look back at it as a bad thing. Um, At the time, obviously, you know, my mom put me in a mental mental institution, forced me against my will. But in everything that I was reading now, which is intriguing for us to be looking into this at an advanced age for all of us. Mm -hmm. um, But she talks about this as being transformational. Like she needed this. She needed to be institutionalized. She needed the structure that she never got as a child, mm-hmm. not having a home to grow up in with a mother and father who were going to discipline her. So she describes how the rehab structure works. Uh, everyone would wake up at 7.30. They went to school at 9 to 12, uh, had group therapy, counseling, group therapy, dinner, and then they would pat- participate in group um, therapy sessions at that point in time uh, with their patients and the family. Uh, She explains that in the beginning, she thought it was a joke. Uh, She's like, I didn't take this serious. She didn't think, she's like, I didn't have a drug issue. I didn't have an addiction issue. She would put up a fake front because obviously she's a trained actor on top of everything. So she can do this type of stuff. And this is a quote from her. Gradually though, after I listened to other people talk about their addiction experiences, I began to examine my own behaviors and feelings and realized that I had an extremely addictive personality. My friends told me I was obsessive, compulsive, and an overachiever. And then I understood I was really and truly an addict. Now, that was fucking powerful when I read that. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes we throw these tags at people. Oh, you're this. You're that. You're the other thing. Now, when I read things, like if I were to say to you, hey, man, you're an overachiever. You know, like you're you're an obsessive personality. That can be taken good or bad. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of people that really lament on it. I'm, I'm OCD. We've talked about this. Oh, before, yeah, for
1: sure. Right. Yep. Just
0: toss around these terms. Yep. And what I could find from her, she's a very action oriented person. Mm-hmm. She was able to internalize these things as being positives. Right. So she never saw a problem with it yeah. until she was forced, first of all, not to have the excess available to her at any given time. Yeah. Keep in mind, seven years old, yeah. eight years old. Club 54 pouring Baileys over her fucking ice cream. Yeah. You know, here, here's a joint. Here's some Coke. Yeah. Right? You can do whatever you want. Do you think you're going to be able to process anything at that age?
1: No. You fucking kidding me? An
0: adult couldn't process anything. I don't think I
1: process it. No. No. Let alone, like, I know I have uh, addiction problems or whatever. And this is one thing that I'm actually going through right now uh, is separating them and trying to look at them uh, differently than. Is it, is it a problem or is it not not that it's good, but how to deal with it inside to actually get through that addiction? I mean, you and I both know um, I've obviously had drug addictions in the past, but my biggest one is food. It's not that I'm an overeater. That's what we're working on right now is how to deal with that that addiction Access. side and whatever. And I mean, to look at the positives in it. And that's where I think, like you and I have talked before, you find the right person to talk to about things my psychotherapist is probably one of the most amazing people i've ever met so i give her a shout out here and i to tell you who it is but anyway she knows who she is and i praise her all the time and have open conversations with my wife about her all the time because honestly i i don't think i'd be able to get through a lot of the stuff that i get through without her and you and i have talked before i've seen other people in the past where it's like nope Cause you know, it's not going to go anywhere or whatever. Mm. But it was like the first time I sat down with her, I was like, yes, you're the one finally. And yeah, to, to hear that, I've never heard that before, but to hear that way, put it that way, that I don't, know, gives me hope. <laughs> well, dude, so, it's so funny
0: because as I'm, as I'm listening to her own voice, talking about these things yeah. and reading her words. Yeah. I was thinking about you a yeah. lot of the time yeah. and I was like, you know, it's so interesting to me because, and we're going to touch on some other things that I think are powerful, but a lot of the words that she has to say is she's not this reformed individual who's like a born again Christian, yeah, right? For me, she speaks about something that is is really, really valuable, I think, in learning about yourself, which is acceptance. Right, You and, know, and, and understanding and being able to dive in yeah, on yourself. And,
1: and I have, I do one other thing at the end of this, like we, we try to end with uh, quotes from the person and I do have some awesome ones here that I I found of hers. And I think what you just said fits one of them perfectly, but we'll, we'll go that. Yeah. You, you keep going and no, we'll no, get that's, to those later. That's great. I, I do yeah. like
0: that. And yeah, I mean, to echo that there's hope. There's hope for anybody at any given yeah. time. Um there there it's never it's never too late in my no. in my opinion, because the you get catalysts no. along the way and different no. things that motivate you, right? The thing that's beautiful about this is that uh, I mean we haven't gotten to the end of this yet, so we don't yeah. know how it all works out. Um, <laughs> however, you know, yeah. it's it's really important to, to look at this. One of the reasons why we wanted to do this one so bad is because we know that unlike River Phoenix, yes, this chick should be dead. Yes. She should be dead. Yeah. And she isn't. Not only is she not dead, but she's one of the most wholesome figures there is in
1: Hollywood. Yeah. It's funny because I think about when I realized how old she was when I did the math and I looked at this and I'm like, Jesus, like she's, she's three years older than me, I think. Um, Yeah. One year older than I am. Yeah. And it's like 40 something. She, she has to me. Looking at her and her career and her life, I feel like she should be 70 or 80 years old. She has already lived two or three lifetimes like it just seemed and i'm, and I'm looking at it and I'm like she's not even 50 yet yeah are you shitting me right now yeah. like yeah it's insane <laughs> I mean, like that seems weird it's i always think that too when i hear uh, uh charlie sheen who has a notorious past as well mm-hmm. to feel to hear how old he is and i'm like no you're fucking kidding me yeah that guy's 70 yeah like <laughs> they've already done so much and you've heard so much about both of them that you're like that person is way older than what three years older than me fuck you yeah like,
0: <laughs> it's insane especially yeah. when they're in the limelight for for so long. Yeah. Right. I wanted to throw this in here because I was reading this. This was from a um, FHEhealth.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had thrown this thing in here about addiction because, you know, we we often talk about addiction. And, you know, some one of the things that bothers me sometimes is, is it hereditary? Um, is it passed down? And all that type of stuff. And <clears throat> I, I don't know that I believe it fully. But the way that they put this, I actually thought was very interesting. So science believes... A person's struggle with addiction can be genetically inherited, uh, although no one gene is responsible. Um, Instead, substance addiction involves the interaction of multiple genes triggered by environmental factors. I thought that that was an amazing thing to put in there Mm -hmm. because... Oftentimes, we like to look at one thing and go, well, why do I eat? Why do I rely on drugs? Why do I rely on alcohol? There's got to be one thing. Oh, it's just because my father did it or my mother did it. All the reality is that just like everything in life, there's a lot of factors that lead into this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think that what you're doing right now is exactly the right thing to do. You Mm -hmm. have to go down your personal journey. You have to figure it out for yourself Mm -hmm. and surround yourself with the right people. Yep. Uh, so at age 14, she successfully won her petition for emancipation, uh, which was actually, and this is what I was wondering, how the fuck does this even happen? How does she mm-hmm. win? It was at the suggest the suggestion of the Van Nuys psychiatric facility that she oh, was in. Really? They suggested that in order for her to have a normal life moving forward, she has to get away from the ex- access to excess. And that was her mother. Okay. So she wins. She's now living on her own. At the age of 15 years old. She had her own apartment or something. Yeah, she had her own apartment. Which sounds like a fucking dream. Until you start listening to what she has to say about it. Yeah. So she said, it was weird. I had no idea how to run an apartment at the age of 14, 15. There was fungus growing everywhere. It was a disaster. It was in a dangerous neighborhood. I was so scared to sleep. Uh, I had bars on my windows and alley cats fucking 30 feet away. It was terrifying. So... This isn't a dream situation that she's entered herself in. Okay. Um, Around this time, she's shunned from Hollywood. She's working at a coffee shop at the age of 14, 15 years old in in Hollywood. uh, A really posh, like popular coffee shop. Uh, Funny note, a a young, goofy, spunky Cameron Diaz uh, starts working there. And that's how they form their friendship. Okay. At the coffee shop. That's cool. Uh, So could you imagine, though? Us walking into a fucking coffee shop and there's Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz. Ridiculous. Yes. Like it's like a Starbucks, any any fucking Starbucks that you walk into. (laughs) But the funny thing was, is that people would walk in and they would be like, aren't you? And she's like, yep, I'm that Drew Barrymore. Yep, that's me. And she's just there working at a coffee shop because she shunned. Yeah. She's going out for roles and directors are looking at her going, you're fucking kidding me right now? Yeah. We can't trust you. Yeah. Right. So she's, she's kind of working through this. Uh, at the age of 16, 1991, Drew Barrymore became engaged to Leland Howard, mm-hmm. uh namesake of the Hollywood producer Leland Howard, who I don't know these fucking yeah, people. Anyway, Some kind of director. Yeah. Uh, she was engaged and lived with musician and actor Jamie Walters in 92, 93.
1: Jamie Walters. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's the... F-
0: I don't think that was the... Oh, that may have been the bass player.
1: No, wasn't nope, he? No, that wasn't the bass player. Jamie Walters, wasn't he on
0: 90210? Oh, maybe. Yeah, he was. He You're absolutely the right. the guy
1: that beat the shit out of Donna or whatever.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, I remember seeing his picture and going, yeah, I remember seeing him in that, yeah, but yeah, I couldn't he remember he his He made role. a fucking
1: return when they did that reboot just oh, like last serious? year ago. He was on it again. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, yeah
0: so she was engaged to him. Yep. Barry Moore was married to her first husband who was Welsh born LA bar owner Jeremy Thompson she filed for divorce from him uh, less than two months later she was dating the guitarist from Hole, Eric Anderson Erlinson sorry that's weird because
1: I just learned now that all the members of that band were not female I thought they were oh yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I didn't know that either um, I don't know I
1: mean I don't really know anything about that fucking band because fuck Courtney Love that stupid murderous yeah, you bitch yeah
0: don't, you don't like her too much
1: yeah, she can fuck off.
0: And then after that relationship is when she gets together with Tom Green. Ugh. Yeah, that that whole thing was what it was. What are your
1: thoughts on Tom Green?
0: You know, I think honestly, I kind of I kind of agree with what she was saying. One of the interviews that I was listening to her, uh, she was talking about her relationships, mm-hmm. and she was talking about Tom Green, and they were talking about the idea of of, of comedy um, being such an aphrodisiac for for females and one of her biggest draws uh, to him was that he was doing things that people weren't doing at the time you know he was just kind of embracing himself he was being fucking whack nut crazy I guess um and and so for that I do remember that and for that I do give him credit uh do I think he's brilliant I don't know about brilliant but I think that I give him credit for the shit that he was doing back then it was pretty unique Mm. and he wasn't afraid to do it plus he's Canadian which I kind of like yeah mm. but you're not a fan no nope, never have been. Mm, yeah never, i never liked him i can understand both both sides of it mm. for sure you know he never really kind of gained that that popularity but in my opinion he's no different than the jackass guys and those fucking guys span generations like he got a new movie coming out man do they oh yeah, yeah that's right they yeah, do, yeah which is not got hurt on it yeah, yeah that's right yeah so yeah so but she's she's attracted to him because of his comedy stylings and stuff well that's
1: true funny guys get girls yeah i know that
0: they absolutely do (laughs) not really sure how we landed with our girls but fuck thank god yeah uh green files for divorce uh like a year later and they finalize everything a year after that uh barrymore starts dating the strokes drummer after they met at a concert. And then she began dating Justin Long, which you had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. She I think re- it was
1: on and off again, on again, yeah. off again type thing.
0: Yeah, because they broke up in two thousand eight. I think they, actually when they filmed Going the Distance.
1: No, I think when they filmed uh, Just Not That Into I don't even know if they were together. I think they were oh. apart. Then they got back together. Then they filmed Going the Distance. Then they broke up again or something along those lines. Yeah,
0: yeah. So. so on again, off again for sure. And then she ends up marrying a an art consultant, and that's where they that's where they end up having uh, two children, Oliver yeah. and Frankie
1: uh um, olive what did i did say You say olive i said olive yeah yeah no that's oh that's, yeah uh, she, she was the voice of olive that's yeah.
0: great <laughs> that's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah yeah olive and frankie Yep. that's hilarious yep. her and will end up getting divorced in 2016 like a, a couple of years later or whatever mm-hmm. now i was listening to her and okay so here's what's interesting we take a look at this family and substance abuse issues being in the limelight uh, multiple relationships. We everybody talks about Hollywood relationships and how you know flimsy they are. Mm-hmm. But I was curious to know from her perspective, you know, how do you view these? Do you view these as all failed? Experiments. Yeah. Were you the one that was j- destroying these relationships? Was it the other person? Right. Right. All of these things. And she said that it's about a 60-40. You know, she broke up 60% of the time and she was broken up with 40% of the time. And it was a mixture of things. Abusive uh, relationships like, mm-hmm. you know, like mental abuse type stuff. Yeah. Right. Where you have... Her with her superstardom, mm-hmm. right? Even if she wasn't a big star throughout her entire time, people knew who she was. Yep. And she said that sometimes
1: the men in her relationship had a problem with that. And they would let her know. Which is know. weird. I always, I've heard that before. I don't know. I never thought I would have a, if I was in that situation, I would have a problem with it. But I guess you'd have to be in that situation to find out mm-hmm. whether you would have a problem with it or not.
0: Well, low level for me at this point in time, you know, in my relationship, I'm not the breadwinner. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I'm perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Now, would I have been fine with that at the age of 20, 25, 30? I don't know. Yeah. Right? Because there's so much fucking ego that's attached to it when you're younger. Yeah, that's right yeah. So maybe when you're older, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But it was really... it was really for certain people, though. Yeah.
1: I, I can think of people in my life right now that would not live in that situation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it would be a huge fucking problem. Absolutely. So
0: I had yeah. people warn me of that. I had people talking to me and go, it might be strange, like, you know, being in a relationship with somebody who's like a breadwinner and a breadwinner by like substantial proportions. And I'm sitting here looking at them with the same look that you're giving me right now, going, what the fuck are you talking about? I keep telling Kat, pump a couple of kids into me. Let's fucking do this. (laughs) I will stay home and vacuum and do all that shit, which is
1: not easy to do, but I'll fucking do it. Yeah. I think, you know, my struggles with employment in the past. And I think for a long time, uh, yeah. Uh, not that you know she made gobs and gobs of money but she definitely was the breadwinner for a long time Mm -hmm. Uh, i I don't think i'd have a problem with it either
0: listen we can't really get into the motivations of the relationships the men that she was involved with drew barrymore obviously but i have to imagine that if you're surrounding yourself with uh, performers artists that are not as recognizable as you are mm-hmm. and not having the success that they probably hoped and wish that thought that they would have mm-hmm. that that would come out in destructive ways
1: no oh, i think that happened with her mom so, yeah yeah clearly clearly yeah.
0: so you know she goes through all these relationships but she's um i don't think that she's sabotaging them and to be honest with you no. her outlook on life is way different than i expected oh yeah be, yeah i right? was
1: not expecting some of that
0: yeah. no so, in an interview in 2003, Barrymore said that she had always considered herself bisexual. "Quote: I love a woman's body. I think a woman and a woman together are beautiful. I She's just not the only one. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, just as a man and a woman is beautiful. Yep. Being with another woman is like exploring your own body through someone else's. And I thought to myself, that's what I want to do when I grow up."
1: <laughs> In three years. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I, But I think that a lot of this is kind of going back to the way that she grew up and having, you know, like you said, experiences. Not healthy from a lot of people's perspectives, but mind-opening experiences that she's processing things in clearly different ways than most people would. Mm -hmm. Maybe that contributes to this. Maybe. I don't know if you knew about this little fact, but she is actually a godmother to a little girl. Not little girl anymore. Mm. But... Francis Bean Cobain.
1: I no. Yeah, I did not know that
0: she was. She's uh, she's her godmother. whose so, decision
1: was that was, I didn't
0: look into it. I didn't look into gotta it. Be
1: his, can't be hers because she's a murderous whore.
0: Yeah, exactly. She's. <laughs> <laughs> no redeeming qualities I have to imagine though when looking at this timeline that her involvement with uh, with the guitarist of whole put her in that realm yeah. and maybe it was a Courtney situation I have no idea uh, I, I mean know. sorry the yeah, no, no, live, uh, the I don't know who that is soulless little <laughs> Drew says that she found her 20s liberating she mm-hmm. was working hard she was playing hard she was enjoying huge success in a belated adolescence Uh, At one point, she went on the David Letterman show, jumped on the couch, and did the little dance that you had said. Um, You know, he's, as they say, sitting there with a grin like crazy, Mm -hmm. wondering what the hell she's doing. You can't tell whether it was shame or pride, according to this person's perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was was notable. Uh, At 20, she seemed younger than the seven-year-old who had appeared on Jimmy Carson. Uh, all those years ago, which funny enough, I was reading about that interview and apparently at seven years old, I haven't watched this interview mm. unbelievably flirty. Oh, yeah. With Jimmy Carson. Johnny. Johnny Carson, sorry. Yeah. I had no idea that I didn't even see this interview.
1: Yeah. Well, she's over. That's the horrible thing. I think she's at an that adult, point, man. She's already overly sexualized and whatnot mm-hmm. due to her surroundings and what clearly so, and I that's, that's part of the issue I think with a lot of child actors now that it's coming to light and coming to you know people are getting to understand is that Corey Feldman for whatever Corey Feldman is probably wasn't lying. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yep. know
1: what I mean? And I think people are starting to realize that now. They yeah. were like, passed him off as a crackpot for so fucking long, but now they're looking going. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before with the whole Mel Gibson thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he when he came out with his statement about uh, Hollywood being built on a child pedophilia ring um, and every, and all of a sudden what happens to Mel Gibson shortly thereafter, Oh, Mel Gibson's crazy. He hates Jewish people. He does it. He does that. And, and, and when they interview him, he's like, I didn't say any of that shit. Like, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We heard you. And we're like, did you? Mm-hmm. And that's cause he's tearing down Hollywood. And I mean, I think there is a lot to, all of that. Yeah. So her being flirty when she's seven years old is definitely being overly sexualized at that point of her life.
0: Thankfully, it doesn't seem like there's any indication that anybody had done, any, done anything inappropriate to hey, her as yeah. a child. and I mean, if know.
1: they did, maybe that's one of the things she's keeping to herself. It's possible. If she doesn't have to tell people. It's very if possible. If she's dealt with it and she's grown and she's... Healthy. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of people don't deal with it that way. I mean, look at well, we, the episode we did on River Phoenix. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Let's hope that that is the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says here, quote, my 30, um, 20s to 35 was a blast. I thought, how am I getting away with any of this? Uh, I really was being quite playful yet still working a lot. And she was very kind of happy. She looks back at that period of time Mm -hmm. with no regrets. She
1: does seem very happy whenever you see her talking about anything.
0: Dude, she does not regret a thing. No, not one thing that she, that she has lived through. Does she regret? She was
1: talking about partying
0: with, uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And how, you know, he's like fucking apparently like one of the best people in the world. And she was would...
1: probably one of the craziest from what I
0: probably, but her experiences, again, whether she's holding it in or she, she actually she just, experienced it. Like you said in that, what earlier, I mean, she's just taking the positive out of she's everything. Her adaptability, in my opinion, this is what I've gathered at this point in time, her adaptability based on the way that she grew up, which is fucking sick when you think about it, yep. that saved her. Yeah,
1: That saved her. Well, and I think when we get to these quotes I have from her, you're going to even see more. And yeah. you may have read some of these, but yeah, you're going to even see more that that just it fucking bolsters everything that you're telling me yeah. about how she is.
0: Absolutely. Focusing on the Playboy issue, you probably read some of this stuff, but... but uh, I wasn't reading anything. When no. I was reading and, that, that Playboy. It was not in that. <laughs> not in that at all. No, but apparently, <laughs> apparently when the Playboy came out, yeah.
1: uh, Godfather was none too pleased. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's... Yeah, That yeah. makes sense. I mean that the, he worked so hard to bring that true story of that little alien to right? life, and and you're, you're going to blow it all your, out of the water. Here's your star out here showing off our goodies. Yeah, you're just Reese's your... pieces. Oh, oh shit! See what shit. I did? Shit!
0: I was going to say dirty bits, but you went with the Reese's pieces. That's <laughs> yeah. even better. Yeah. I fucking love it. That's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> so here's a couple of things that actually ended up transpiring after that spread came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he. Apparently, sent her a. I wish they
1: could see that look you just gave me.
0: <laughs> I was so fucking proud and smug for no reason at all. Yeah, it was awesome. It was terrible. He sends her a quilt along with the spread uh-huh. with a little note that says, cover yourself up. <sighs> it gets better. Sounds
1: like a fucking, you know. Yeah, whatever. It
0: gets better. Whatever. He then had an artist. Make paper doll clothing. Oh. He then glued the paper cl- uh, clothing to every page of that spread uh-huh. and sent it to her.
1: So he clearly looked at it, though. Well, I think he was doing this. I don't. Oh, it was like a yeah. It was a bullshit. pin the
0: tail on the donkey situation, bullshit. I think. And he was like, you know, near, 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 and yeah. so like, no, near, near, so. <laughs> <laughs> because she had so much respect for him, yeah. and because she was, like, he was the, the the parental you know light mm-hmm. in her in her life for so long, she ended up doing a photo shoot dressed as a nun, where she does a sequence of photos, and she's on the back of it. She's apologized in different ways, she's like I'm so Aww. sorry I've lost my Dark. way. On one of them is you know I'm trying to get better and all this kind of stuff. To this day, he still has that picture in his fucking house hanging on the wall.
1: I mean. It's good that they didn't lose a relationship over it yeah. or whatever, which yeah. is awesome. And it yeah. sounds like he has a maybe a sense of humor about it. Maybe. I think
0: so, and I think he was just trying to be a parent, right? Like he yeah. actually has gone on record, and in this uh, in this interview, he had said to her that she was his first child. Mm-hmm. She was the child that basically got him prepared for having kids many years later. Mm. And she looks at him with so much respect and so much yeah. love and admiration that clearly at the age of you know eight or nine, whenever she requested him be the godfather of her yeah. fucking kid making that decision, there's clearly a special relationship there. And I had the reaction you had was in the initial stages of reading yeah. this. It was like, oh, fuck, man. Just let her do what she's going to do. Yeah, But then you start to realize that she's not ashamed of anything that she's no. done. But she knows that. Like yeah, okay, this for is, sure, and and of course, as she says, uh, let's see if I can find the quote here. Yeah, as she says on on her TV show earlier this year, a parent is supposed to make you feel bad when you're not good. I actually really like that quote. Yeah. I figured that you might appreciate it as a parent. Oh, but I make my
1: kids feel bad every day, as you should. <laughs> even when they're feeling good, knock them down a few pegs. <laughs> yeah, even when they've done something good, can do that better, you little shit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, when she was on um, when she was on Norm Macdonald's show, oh, R.I.P. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. Buddy. R. I. P. buddy. Um, she, he asked her if uh, she misses cocaine, and yeah. she says, "No. Oh God, I mean, it's been such a
1: long time, but no." Uh, <laughs> I think I did watch that episode. Actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, because he asked questions that nobody else would ask. Yeah, I love fucking Norm Macdonald. Yeah, he's, he's pretty he was, awesome. He had a very uh, unique comedy style mm-hmm. and outlook on, on on life and whatnot. Uh, his bit on Hitler's dog is fucking amazing. If you oh, haven't yeah. heard it, you have to fucking listen to that. It's to fucking it amazing. <laughs> he is brilliant. Yes.
0: Here's the thing that makes me really respect what she's been through and how she is now. I, I never used hallucinogenics, uh, but I drink and I enjoy my life, uh, you know, just to get out of my own head. It's not like I'm militant about being clear and present at all times, but cocaine literally is my worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. I've never done heroin, so I don't know what that's like. Uh, But I think I like to feel good. I'm an upper person. I'm like, woohoo! I also don't like to drink at bars. I like to drink in the privacy of my own home. So that was something that I found really interesting based on what she's gone through. You would think that she would be talking about drugs and alcohol as being the worst possible thing ever. I was digging in on stuff and apparently she still does drink. Mm -hmm. She's one of these people that like an alcoholic or, you know, an addict that that works for her in those dark times, as this person had written, had been replaced by joy by being a mom. And her approach to life, you know, in a positive way. Uh, Quote from Drew. "Uh, They've made me a calmer, better person. She has this cool quote that she talks about from her dad. And she said her dad, which was odd Mm -hmm. because her and her dad had such a sporadic and very minimal relationship. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad once said to me that expectations are the mother of deformity. And I do not expect anything. Expectations always get me in trouble. Mm. What do expectations really do? They make other people feel like shit. Then you let them down eventually. And I fucking love that quote because expectation is absolute fucking horseshit. Mm -hmm. I've lived with expectation, expectation that nobody really threw upon me. Mm -hmm. I've lived with it my entire life Mm -hmm. and there's nothing, that is good of expectation Mm -hmm. even expecting to wake up in the fucking morning and go i'm gonna do all this shit and then something you know gets in your path or something else pops up and then what do most people do Ah, fuck this life sucks yeah Yeah, i I didn't get that done today and it's like so this is kind of getting into that buddhist type approach in my opinion where you Mm -hmm. know acceptance again Things are going to happen. So what? Move on. It's okay to feel it in the moment, but she's really embodied this type of person who doesn't get caught up in too much at, at any given time. And she's kind of obviously had to curtail that a little bit, you know, yeah. in, in her life, right? She was talking about her book and the the interviewer had said, you know, you don't get too explicit uh, about, you know, personal problems and past problems. Right. And she's like, this was aimed for my kids to be able to read it one day. She's like, I don't want to protect them from my past. I'm not denying anything. Uh, I've been caught off guard when people go, you know, what are you going to say when your kids Google you? And I think, God, that's so accusatory. You know, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not who I am. I'm not going to show. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm going to show them how I got to be where I am now.
1: Yeah, see, that's a question I had recently, actually, mm-hmm. because I was having a conversation with somebody about my past. They had no idea, obviously. And, uh, you know, I used to be shy and not talk about it, but now I'm like, oh, whatever. And that was a conversation like, oh, what are you going to do when your kids? And I'm like, tell them? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, don't, I hope that, <laughs> that they're listening to this and this is how they find out. But, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, no, but I, I'm not going to lo- lie. Like I said to her that day was, when you have when you have kids, it's so true. It's so cliche to hear, but it is so fucking true. You want them to be better than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that my parents wanted me to be better than them. The moment that the first one was born, I was like, I, I don't know if I said it or but I definitely thought it. I was like, be better than me. Please, for the love of God, be better than me. And we have this conversation. I mentioned earlier about the food addiction. I see it happening in my youngest. Uh, he loves to eat and he loves and, and, and I love that. It's something that we share because we, oh, yeah. Oh, you want to have this on your pizza? Oh, you want to go get a burger? Oh, yeah. We're going to, I love being able to share that with him because he loves it too. And he's experiencing more and more and he's, he's trying more things. But at the same time, I tell him every time I'm like, this is your future, please be better than me, love it, do please love it, but at the same time know when enough is enough and when you know what I mean get something healthy, get something better into you do 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 that at the same time and and I tell him I have told literally told him. Probably at least three times this week already. Please be better than daddy. Please, please be better than me. Now, uh, when it comes to uh, jokes and whatever, he is by far funnier than me. And I laugh every day at the shit that comes out of his mouth. And I told you earlier about a little story that he told uh, one of our friends there last night, which was fucking hilarious. And I don't even feel comfortable saying that on this. But at the same time, yeah, it's it's so you want your your kids to be better. So I'm not going to lie to them. The conversation of drugs and, and whatnot has come up in other ways. Um, but when they asked me if I smoked cigarettes, I was like, yep, I did. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say, oh, no. And I said to him, you're going to be offered it sometime maybe. You might even try it. Don't lie to me. Tell me, hey, I did this. And I'll do every, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm going to do everything I can to help you quit. Doing that stuff or, or tell you, well, you did that make you feel good. Did you like that? Did you like talk to me and I will do, and I will tell you what I went through. I will tell you how I was and whatever and say, don't do it. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's oh, it's so fun in the moment, but it's not fun. Mm-hmm. It is not something to be glorified. It's not something to be like, Oh, I, I was a drug addict. It was awesome. No, it wasn't five years of my life gone. Just yeah. like that. And, and, and that's, that's what it, that's, that's what it boils down to. But like she, I'm not going to fucking lie, but also I don't want to be vilified. Mm-hmm. Like she was saying, why is that accusatory? Why is that? Why is that a negative? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a negative. That goes back to her. Find the positive and fucking everything. And that's yeah. what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at him in the eye and say, daddy was a drug addict. Don't fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know how else to put it. <laughs>
0: I'm a big believer in if you can speak from your own experiences that has way more value to somebody who's never experienced anything and is just talking out their ass yeah right if you go to somebody and say don't do this and you're like oh why did you do this like no no I read about it though oh that movie that's coming out it's shit yeah have you seen it (laughs) no (laughs) yeah yeah exactly no no it's not yeah yeah it's uh but but i mean like that's that's the that's the scenario right yeah and that's
1: and that's funny that conversation i had with her just the other day and she said to me she goes oh my god you make so much more sense now she's like now i know why you're so chipper all the time and i never thought about it but i don't go places to be miserable anymore i Mm. i told you this recently and that's one thing because this happened at work and i fucking she goes i get it i get why you're so chipper and i'm like yeah why would I come here to be fucking miserable? Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I can control in this place is my attitude and how I feel. And she goes, she goes, yeah, she goes, it makes sense. She goes, you've been through some shit, and that's and, what it you is. Ha- and you have to be able to talk about it, right? Like yeah.
0: I think, that, and that's that's her that's her whole philosophy as well. Mm-hmm. Is you know, she goes on to talk about things like you know, um, would you let your kid be a child actor? And she's like, no. I wouldn't. And you know what? That I run the risk of them hating me. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm not gonna do it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something this is this is the guidelines and these are the, the the boundaries and parameters I didn't have as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to carry it forward. They may mm-hmm. hate me for it. Yeah. You know, they may not agree, but this is just what it is because it's based on my experience. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, um, I feel really comfortable talking about a lot of things that I've experienced because I've experienced them. Yeah. And there's literally nobody that can take that away from you. Yeah. You know, if you're commenting on somebody else's, mm-hmm. there's so many things that you don't know. Yeah. How the fuck could you even talk about it? Right? But you're the, you're, you are the author of your life. Mm-hmm. And if you're not the one that's going to be out there talking about it, then you run the risk of people distorting the facts yep. as you understand them yep. and your kids not knowing from you firsthand. Yeah. And that's what I love about what we talk about all the time. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I really connected with her, I, I got to be honest with you man, after after I read this and heard her words like her own voice, mm-hmm. I'm fucking I'm in love with this person. <laughs> yeah. I'm in love with this person. Yeah. But you know what? This person could be a guy. It could be yep. anybody. It's mm-hmm. just her outlook is so fucking it's it's it, it's it. Yeah. It's where it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, you've lived a lifetime. You've had, you've had unbelievable experiences, fucking crazy experiences Mm -hmm. and you've, you've played it forward, right? You know, so, you know, she's she talks about her kids a lot and, you know, obviously that's like her motivating factor now, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you said, she retired uh, kind of essentially, or just said that she's not going to work for a while, but she wants to focus on being a mom. So, you know, that's where a lot of her focus relies now. She was talking about her mom and, and that relationship, you know, it's, she's still working through some things, mm-hmm. but you know, they've reconciled for the most part, you know, she's, she has here, she's like, you try so hard to do something important and meaningful, uh, but when you strike the universal chord of goofiness, it's far more important. And God damn it, we all beat the fuck out of ourselves going We better do something important and meaningful in this world and make an impact and a difference and change something. In the end, it's like, do you make anyone feel like they're alone? This might be the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Her whole goal is that she doesn't want people to feel isolated and alone. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why she stopped working right now is because she doesn't want to be known as an absent mom. Mm-hmm. Oh man, she done all this. She did all this work, but she was never there. Yeah, she doesn't want that to be her legacy. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, that's one of the things that we're always looking for: is what's our legacy going to be? And how about instead of trying to think of what your legacy is going to be, focus on what you want to be, and your legacy will form before you.
1: Wow, for that, sure. That was a direct quote, right for me.
0: That's all I got, my friend.
1: I mean. That was that was that was good. That was yeah, a lot more. I I see. I didn't get into any of that when I was doing the research because I knew you were going to cover it off. So I was like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm, not I'm not reading all that shit. But uh, and there's so much. Oh, there's so much more. And I mean, I was surprised that these four quotes that I have here from her that I that you didn't hit any of them mm-hmm. because good. These are right up your alley. Yeah, and it, it makes me kind of understand. The her and Adam Sandler's relationship now because I feel like he's along the same lines of like just living and having a good time. Mm -hmm. He seems like he always is. He doesn't take himself that seriously. He you see him in fucking when he shows up for interviews and he's wearing basketball shorts and a fucking t-shirt and like you know he just whatever he is what he is and he's. He's fine with it. They're and kindred spirits um, in that way. I mean, yeah. she's
0: showing up, she was talking about showing up to interviews yeah. and just like fucking clothes and
1: baggy shit. Yeah, it and it's matter. it's funny because like I I I think of other people that are like that. And another guy that's like that is Shaq, I think. Mm. And he's just loving his life and just you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he appears in Adam Sandler's movies, so maybe Adam Sandler just is attracted to these type of mm-hmm. people that have this, uh, you know, lifestyle or whatever. But it, it, Shaq is probably the only funny part of Hubie Halloween. But anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> did not like that movie. No, so we'll go with uh, some Drew Barrymore quotes here, uh, right from the woman. Some of them are taken from her uh, books or show, whatever. So this one is. A good one to start with, I think, and it's uh, if you don't take risks, you'll have a wasted soul. Uh, the next one is in the end, some of your greatest pains become your greatest strengths, mm-hmm. and that you know that one hit me because what we were just talking about with the whole the whole past uh, mm-hmm. thing, whatever. And I mean, I, I I saw it as pain for so many years, but now I'm trying to build from it and whatever. This is I never regret anything because every little detail of your life is what made you into who you are in the end. Mm -hmm. And that's, but this is the last one that really, I don't know. I mean, you tell me my lesson here was you do not give up. You hold yourself accountable. You stay grateful and you hold tight to your friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, those just kind of sum up the whole, you know, what you just went through at the end there. Yeah. So
0: now I agree. I listen I respected the fact that she was able to go through what she went through even a little bit that we knew mm-hmm. um and and be what she is now and what people see for of her now and mm-hmm. how the new generations are looking at her and you know people that are a little bit younger than her that are having kids are watching you know, never been kissed and, and mm-hmm. you know, really relating to that. And our first exposure to her is E.T. and, you mm-hmm. know, cat's eye and all this type mm-hmm. of stuff. And then we start to see her kind of get into trouble and all this, all this stuff. But, I mean, the thing that I find most inspiring about this woman is that she's alive.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's had a human experience. Yeah. And she does not sugarcoat it. She nope. does not... Shy away from her life experiences. Yeah. I, I fucking I you know as as I am always at the end of these things. I'm blown away by the information that we share with mm-hmm. each other. Yeah, and this is no different. Uh, I I didn't think I was going to have less respect for her. Yeah, uh, but I clearly she's clearly one of my favorite people now. It's fucking awesome. unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're doing we're doing good with these. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we'll end it with if you or anyone out there is having any issues depression anxiety addiction anything please 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 (laughs) get some help Mm -hmm. talk to somebody yep well said peace out peace